got a new dryer so you can piss in that. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, it's roped off. I, I, had to, I had to fucking cancel food shopping Friday for like a month to pay for that shit. Um, episode 30, Red River Podcast. Uh, totally special. We have two guests, uh, and it makes sense because they're uh, two guests from a band called Two Man Advantage uh, that we all know and love. Um, so welcome, Mark. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Sam. Thank you guys Jeff? for having us. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, wanted to get you in. I know that just recently you posted, you know, like this long message, letting everyone know, getting up to speed that um, how you're going to be moving on, and you know, all, all your uh, almost like your your, your sign out kind of. But you're you're going to Arizona, right, Mark? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm leaving New York sometime over the summer, and it's been 26 years here, and it's been phenomenal. It's been great. I met some of the greatest people I've ever known. Um, but it's time to move on. It's I'm a West Coast kid. That's where I grew up. And uh, my girlfriend lives in L.A. And losing my job kind of pushed things along. You know, I'm losing my job in the middle of June. I can sell the house. My kids are grown on their own. Do you almost feel like it's almost like poetic in a way? To- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everything just fell into place. Just like one thing at a time from her and I reconnecting. Um and then, I mean, I've known this girl 36 years, so it's not like this is a new girlfriend. This is somebody I've always loved and I've always admired and I've always wanted to to be with. And, and you, yeah, because you, like, I remember you told me the story over dinner. Yep. Um, how you you met when you were just a kid. I was, yeah, I was 17, you know, and she and I always stayed in touch and her name's Amber Quinn and I love her dearly and... She's listening right now. No, not yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, well, tell me, you tell me now, when and she will. Yeah, no, I mean, regardless <laughs> of when, she'll be listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a valid statement. So, uh, <laughs> so um, you know, a, a few coast-to-coast visits. You know, I've been out to California seven or eight times in the last year, and she's come to New York and spent quite a few, you know, a lot of time here. And we're just trying to find our place um, together. And um, with me losing my job, that cancels New York. You, you know, what I'm not going to... My next job, I know I'm not going to make the money I make now, and I know that going in. So it, why, to me, it's kind of like why stay here, mm-hmm. you know? And then with her in Los, and with her being in L.A., I just, I personally cannot live in Los Angeles, not never again. Have you? I, oh, so you have? Yeah, that's where I grew up. Oh, that's where you grew up. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So how old were you when you left? When I when I moved here, I was 27. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a L.A. boy and. I just I can't live there. There's the traffic. Um, yeah. You think we have traffic here? You haven't seen Bananas. anything. You haven't seen squat. They have freeways out there with eight lanes on each side, yeah. not moving. Eight, sixteen lanes. Is everyone, nobody going is everyone anywhere? Just trying to get to their acting everybody, appointment, their <laughs> audition. You know what? Has too a many car. people. There's, there's no yeah, public there's, transit. Right? They don't use everyone, public transportation yeah. like we do. Um, Everybody's got somewhere to go, and the, just and the cost of living out there is through the roof. It's more expensive than here. Um, so, she and I um, both like Phoenix. Um, she loves the desert, and I have I have family and I have friends in Phoenix, and it's and it's a, an affordable city. I'll put it to you that way. And it's only four hours from L.A. Now, granted, I'm leaving. You know, my my children are here. Um, but my children are grown, you know, mm-hmm. so it's I'm a little little different situation than, right. than than a lot of guys. Yeah, same thing. Like uh, my girlfriend, Karen's parents, uh, not parents, but her mom and like her whole family, like all the mom side moved to Arizona. 
it's fucking mind-boggling. You're right. Like, mind-boggling. Yeah. But Arizona's I mean, the new Florida, yo. Yeah. New, York, <laughs> new York's coming, and we're taking that shit. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I think so it, many people. Yeah. yeah. It started back with the Joe Bonanno, I think, from the <laughs> Bonanno crime. I have, uh, <laughs> I have um, one of my, my all-time best friends I've ever had in my life. I've known this guy since 86. Uh, he lives in Phoenix. And he and I, um, uh, he's ins- real instrumental in getting me there and helping me out and pointing me in the right direction as far as employment and where to live and and uh, starting another band with him. Oh, so, really? So am I done playing? No. I'm not done playing. But yeah. My home base will not be Long Island, New York. Well, he's now, he's now done playing with a jersey and wearing makeup, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. No more makeup. No more jersey. Yeah, it's I might wear I might wear a jersey, just you not a two man jersey. It's you may be... wear makeup. I mean, you like wearing makeup. <laughs> Maybe like a football football it. themed no, punk no. band. Yeah. <laughs> pick a different. Yeah. What about a different sport? Yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> so, uh, just re- real quick, just so everyone knows, because um, what brought you? You said you've been here for twenty six years, so you're like a West Coast kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you grow up in like the, like punk rock roots in L A. and then? Oh, just... dude, I I was going to show since I was thirteen years old and seen bands that you'll never see like Taiketa? Yeah. no like black flag with keith morris <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. oh okay well that uh, okay so how far back you want me to go <laughs> do you remember the first <laughs> first time you saw him. have you ever met dave manichetti <laughs> no um what hey, was man, the... he was san francisco oh was oh, he shit. Oh, oh, my bad <laughs> i don't want the hate mail do you remember like what got you into like just punk rock yeah i do um i was actually um humongous kiss head like okay. from like fifth grade Most, i like this yeah. guy to, right. to like to like eighth grade i uh, know seventh grade and uh and i remember out of it no no like, this girl this girl is sitting next to me in class she knew i was all into kiss she brought me a ramones record she brought me road to ruin and uh she said you know my sister and all her friends are all into this punk rock stuff why don't you check this out and i went home and i played that record until the grooves were gone i mean it's just sank my teeth into punk rock and no more kiss even though i still love kiss to this day right. it just totally opened my eyes and ears what was it about that record that just like just spoke to just you? uh it just I was just one of those records that spoke to me just so raw and and it just seemed genuine compared to kiss which is all staged and it's a whole get up and right. you know these guys were friggin four slouches with leather jackets and yeah. B- both bands just, from queens uh, yeah, 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 definitely. So I think they told a lot of people too, like you can do this too. You yeah, that's right. To that's right. Big overproduction rock. With, yeah, anybody it's, can do this. Isn't it like I, I, it's it's cliche to say because everyone says it, but like punk rock does give you that feeling where it's like you do listen to it because I I tell everyone like a Kirk Ham Kirk Hammett from Metallica made me want to play the guitar, but I didn't know how to play like that. And yeah, then that one day, good. I, yeah. <laughs> That kid's going to be all right. Yeah, that kid's going to be okay. And then I heard Greg Ginn, and I was like, oh, I, I, I think I could almost do something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it just made me... It was free. There yeah. was no rules or certain structure. It I mean, just, like, uh, Greg Ginn, like, I know, you, like, Jeff. Yeah. Like, punk rock is an amazing music, too. If you want to be a musician, punk rock is really a great music to get into because it is, it's simple. So it's, a, it's, it's approachable and accessible for a beginning musician. But at the same time, especially if you're talking about a band like the Ramones, even though what the Ramones play is musically simple, those are also great songs. So yes. it also teaches you the fundamentals of songwriting and song structure. And you may not even consciously think about those kinds of things when you're young, but to like you know put on a Rush record and think you're going to do that out of the gate, you're not going to do that out of the gate. <laughs> not but happening. with the Ramones, you can. 
right. and go from there. So and and for someone like me, um, you figure I was 13 when Nevermind came out. So it was the same thing. Like Nevermind could have been like my uh, Rock to Russia. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, and a lot of people. Because at 13, I'm like, oh, I could play Smells Like Teen Spirit. And yeah. And that's what yeah, I yeah. did. So I, well, I'll always cite that record for that reason, even if I don't listen to it as much. So Yeah. Me and my, one of my buddies, we were listening to that Ramones record, and his older brother came in. And I got to say, his older brother was like three or four years older than us. And he's like, man, you guys like the Ramones? And we kind of looked at him like, <laughs> man, how the hell do you know? And he said, here, listen to this. And he handed me Nervous Breakdown 7-inch. Oh, jeez. That's a good one. That's tattoo number one. Nice. <laughs> so that's that's uh do you that's... remember the, the first show you went to the very first show i went to um the cuckoo's nest in orange county um which is like the cbgb's of orange county in california um i remember it was uh the hated eddie and the subtitles and the dickies and this was like 1980 wow. i'm guessing wow. i'm guessing wow right right i, I can't I remember the exact year i mean i i know some very, I've been to some of the biggest punkaramas LA ever had. What was the scene like back then in like 1980? It had to be kind of wild. It's is, is insane, man. There were punk rockers everywhere. But what it was, was also. Some of the other big, uh, Madame Wong? Was that a. Well, uh, no. Um, it was like a Chinese restaurant by day, wasn't. In, in, Cafe de Grand or. Um, was there a Hong Kong cafe? You know what? It was more. Um, I mean, the LA clubs that I went to back then. Um, I think the first time I went to the whiskey, I saw DOA with MDC. Wow! And uh, Shit. it was it was <laughs> insane. It was crazy. Um, I mean, I've been in the Hollywood Palladium and um, this. Uh, what the hell? Did it make you want to play? Like it just made you want to? Just- um, no. Yeah. I, I, well, I was I sang in a band in high school. I was the front man, and get the first band I was ever in. We were named Public Enemy, and this—that's the no—that's sh- a no shitter. And this is 1981, 82, right around there. And, you know, of course, we don't copyright the name. I don't have the publishing rights to that, or else I'd be in Chuck D's wallet, you know. But that's—I we never did. We never did. He's just joking, Chuck. No, but, but everything that you've mentioned so far, like all three uh, New York acts. So no wonder you ended up in New York. You're like Public Enemy, Kiss, Ramones. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your, you know, your heart was moving this way. I guess so. I guess so. And you know what? Uh, what got I had made a port visit here in um, in 1986. When I when I joined when I left California um, the first time, I was in the Navy and I did four years here on the East Coast. And uh, we did a port visit at Port Jeff. And who doesn't like Port Jeff? You know. So I was like, holy crap, this place is awesome. You know, maybe I'll come back here someday. What What year was that in Port, port Jeff? It was 19, around in the 1986. 70s? Oh, 86? 86. I came, I, I was here. I thought it was founded in like I went, 88. Then, <laughs> nah. <laughs> then I went back to California. I, I re-enlisted in the Navy. I wound up doing eight years in the Navy. And my second duty station was my home of Long Beach, California. So I said, okay, what the hell? I'll go. I'm 21 years old. You're going to give me $20,000 for four more years? Where do I sign? So I did. During that tour, I met a girl from Babylon who was going to Syracuse University at the time. And she, I met her during spring break. She flew out to California for spring break, and I met her, and we, we hit it off, and everything was great. She moved to L.A. with me after I got out of the Navy. She moved to L.A. with me. I put her through college for a couple of years, and and uh, after two years, she came up to me, and she said, you know, I love you, and I love the kids. I had two boys at the time that I got from my first marriage, and I got custody of them. And um, she said, but I hate it here. She said, I can't, I can't stay here. 
She said, I, I, I want to go back to Long Island. I want to go back to college on Long Island. And I'd love for you and the boys to come with me. Um, and at that time, this is 92 now. L.A. is a whole different animal. L.A. is every day. All I, mean, I heard the, was the riots. All I heard was gunshots, helicopters and sirens. Yeah. Every day. All day long. And I'm I made a whole there. documentary about it. Yeah. L.A. 92. Did you watch that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, Netflix? I missed the riots Terrified. by two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. And I, I worked downtown. And I'm not a stick my head in the sand kind of guy. If I see you getting beat up by four dudes, I don't give a shit what you did. I'm gonna help you. You, you know, I'm or I, I'm gonna try to stop it. You know, and I, I was just a blessing in disguise that I got the hell out of there because mm -hmm. I really, I didn't want my kids growing up doing the same shit I did. I was out of fucking control. I mean, I'm pretty tame now because I'm an old man, but not when I was not not then. No way. I was. Watch out, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's funny is, <laughs> that, yeah, look out. You know, I'm I'm gonna buy a house in a 55 plus community because I'm I'm gonna be 55, so they're gonna let me buy it. Yeah. And there goes the neighbor. Man, I fucking ice tea in my head. Yeah. yeah ice tea's gonna be rocking that place. Um. <laughs> so. Our body count. Fast forward to yeah, there goes the neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Which was around that, the time. That's yeah. what's gonna happen when I move in. They're gonna be what the fuck. <laughs> I. You know what I do every. <laughs> time we play a show uh, like i like you know i'm like sound dude i've heard you do that before and i and do, i call that shit out I too i fucking do it because i want at least one person in the crowd to be like yeah fuck yeah <laughs> yeah and one time i did it at o'brien's and uh i remember we were playing a show and I was like, yeah, we're body count from long island and i said it as a joke cuz i didn't was like, and nobody got it well I mean, everyone got it except for this one kid that came up to me after the the, the set, and he was, was and he was like, "Yo, he's like, I love, I love whatever you guys play. That was awesome, you guys. That was a great set. But every time I look up your band, the only thing that comes up is this Ice T band." <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Yo, I was just kidding. Like, we're, we're called Playing Dead, not Body Cat." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So that was That's funny. great. So fast forward, you, you get here in the '90s, and uh, when do you and Jeff meet? Okay, I got here in '92, and um, you know, I I had been playing bass for like maybe like three years at this point, and I only played started playing bass um, actually while on a ship out at sea. And you got to have something to do besides lift weights, play cards, and sleep. Yeah. You know, so I so I bought a bass and I just started teaching myself. I've never taken a lesson in my life. I don't know how to read. I don't know how to write. Music. I, music, okay. right, right. I only play by ear and by sight. <laughs> I, I don't know squat. You know, yeah, me neither. There's I, a lot I, of times I, at practice I'll be like, Jeffy, how's that one go again? Yeah. And he he has to show me. This is the trained bassist oh, this right guy here. This like, guy's insane. Yeah, believe me. I I've had people come up to me and be like, what's it like to be in a band with the guitar players a better bass player than you? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. Dude, I get that all the time. I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. I'm blushing. All right, so... um. I got here in 92, and I didn't know shit about Long Island music scene at all. So I picked up the Island Ear and was looking to play in a band. And I saw this guy. He he had a an ad looking for a bass player, and he he was like into the more into the more like replacements, who's could do type stuff. And I'm like, fuck, I love both those bands. So I called this guy up and I tried out for the Vicious Beatniks, and I replaced Joe Kowalski, who I if anybody knows where Joe Kowalski is, please let me know because I, I miss that guy and I haven't heard from him or seen from him in 10 years at least if not more but I replaced him and that kind of opened my eyes to what was going on here um, and this is this is 90 93 and then I think uh, 94 and 95 I picked up an under the volcano 
And once I picked up under the volcano and I started reading, I was like, holy shit, there's more going on here than, than I know. And because I'm not from here. I didn't grow up here. I don't know where to go. And, what, what was the scene like in, in 90, like when he got here, Jeff? Well, you know, I've never, it's, it's a weird question to ask me because I've never really felt a part of the scene or any scene. You know, he can loves music. Up. I go to shows. <laughs> um, I really didn't even start going to shows until I was in college. I mean, I've been listening to punk rock records since I was like 13, but I didn't actually start going to shows. So, you know, I didn't grow up through like my high school years as a part of some punk rock community. All my friends in, in Jeff, high school were more metalheads. Me neither. Yeah. I mean, me and you, right? So I don't know what the scene was like. I mean, I I, I was in bands, I guess. What were not, you, what were you, you doing know, in, in when he got here? Well, I'm... When he uh, Jeff felt, is like ten I'm a years, few younger years younger than me. Younger, yeah. When he got I'm off a, the, uh, I'm a few years when I got off the boat, when I got off the boat, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when I crossed the river. From, well, had the from scrub my between his teeth. From my perspective <laughs> on meeting Mark, so um, Aaron or Coach from Two Man, I don't know what to say with Two Man. Do we use the real names or do we use the stage names? I don't know what we do here. Aaron, who is the drummer in Two Man, aka his name is Coach. So, okay. so him and I, uh, he was sort of my introduction into actually meeting people, part of a punk rock community. He's from Pittsburgh. Um, we both went to Hofstra. Long story, we ended up becoming roommates our freshman year um, and found a, a camaraderie in punk rock. And he had, him being the much more like extroverted personality than me, had very quickly come into a, a group of all the punk rock kids at Hofstra. Um, and because I was his roommate, I kind of tagged along, eventually became friends. Uh, we found a mutual interest in playing music together, found that we, uh, we made a really good combination, me playing bass and playing drums, and him and I have really been in bands ever since then. So that's like 1992 until now. I don't think there's been more than a few months that have gone by when him and I have not been in a band together. Um, <clears throat> so I think at the time we met Mark was probably around 90... I think 96, because yeah, I, in 96, after I, college. I, was, I was helping Rich Black with uh, Under the Volcano. And uh, he had mentioned that he knew a guitar player was looking for a bassist. Now, the Vicious Beatniks, the singer dude that I joined the band with, he moved to Jersey, so the band dissolved. And so I sat around for like two years. I wasn't playing. I wasn't doing anything. I was raising my kids. And um, uh, Rich Black mentioned, he's like, I, I, I know this guitar player named Ron who's who's looking to start a band. And I said, well, I said, connect the dots. And Ron came over, and uh, he and I just clicked. I mean, he's Ron. I don't know if you know Ron Noise, but he is the sickest guitar player. I mean, this guy's just phenomenal. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I, I, Ron, what is that? I don't know that fucking note. He, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, that's A flat diminished 13. Motherfucker, English. I don't yeah. fucking get yeah. that shit. So, but Ron made me a much better bass player because he would go home and write some sick bass lines and shit that I could never come up with. And he would, he would bring that to the table. And, and then we added Harry on drums and we added, uh, Mike Rudnick on vocals and Pacifier was born. And, uh, we played. Shout out to Harry for always being the best Facebook poster I have. So, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't it. know about that. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm Ron, blocked but or unfriended or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Either one. Take oh, your pick. Whatever. It's right. okay. Ron is the connective to Yes. Because, Ron, Ron did. Ron connected. At us. the same time that Ron was in Pacify with these guys, Ron was in a band with Aaron and I called Quarters. And we shared a practice space. So, Pacify, Quarters, we all shared. Right. A practice space. Quarters broke up at some point. Ron kept playing with you. Yeah. Aaron and I started another band called the Judas Iscariot, which is the first band I was in that people actually cared about. 
What'd that band sound like? Um, we were vocals, bass Fucking and drums. Fucking insane. Say it. No guitar. Uh, we had no guitar. I played through three amps. Crazy. And a distortion pedal. How the fuck um, did you come across, like... How like, did that band form? No, I'm just By saying. Like, I'm saying. Like, I'm saying like that rig. Like it, it, at an early age, what made you? Uh, well, it developed. It wasn't such an early age. I mean, this is already post college for me. But like, what, um, but well, because when we realized we were actually going to be a band and do this without a guitar player, well, the first thing was I had to have amps on both sides of the stage for stereo sound, and then because I was playing through a bass overdrive pedal, he was. Insane. I figured it was. It was. I should have one more amp that's always clean. So I would have two distortion amps, but line out so that one of the amps bypassed the pedal mm -hmm. so that it was clean. So that's how the three amp thing came up. Uh, but so that those were the two bands that were sharing the yeah. practice space. Yeah. And that's kind of when how everybody was, everyone who practiced in that practice space. Got to know each other. All became friends, got to know each other, yeah. were kind of incestuous with the whole band thing. Yeah. And, were you guys uh, all playing shows together? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Judas and Pacifier played played shows together, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. And my my middle son, he was seven years old. The very first show he ever went to was Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot at the Huntington at the Huntington Y. y. Yeah. Now, know, like that's that's insane shit. Yeah. Bringing the kids in at that early age, like, did, did like what do they think now? I'm sure they're grown ass men now. Uh, well, they, you know, they all have developed their own musical interests, you know, and but they're still punk rockers at heart. Yeah, they bleed, eat, sleep, shit, wipe their ass with punk rock. But they they love that you took him, right? It probably. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They've they've said it to me like that. You know, this I can't believe some of the bands that I saw. And I said, dude, you're seven years old, man. You, I remember you, I remember uh, seeing one of your kids crowd surf at a Deja One show. I'm like, nobody better drop this fucking kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, only, yeah. They, not only is he going to be pissed, this venue's done. You know? <laughs> Uh, when when you want to talk about Deja, I, I want to tell a story about how. Well, let's finish how we all yeah. okay, sure, two, sure. how two men got started, and then from from Pacifier and Judas being friends, and all of us just you know basically getting to know each other. And one thing I, that I will always hold dear to my heart is the the punk rock and the Long Island hardcore scene open uh, open doors to me, and as an outsider. I didn't grow up here. I didn't go to high school with you. I don't know your sister. I don't. You know, Hope and, not. and but it was, and that's the beautiful thing about punk rock is it's just the doors always open. You know what I mean? I've come and gone from the scene. I've, you know, for eleven years I didn't do anything. I didn't play in a band. I didn't put on shows. I didn't write for any magazines. I was raising my kids. I was being a dad. But people remember you. Like, you know, people always remember you, um, and, and I think just, like, you know, not, not to, like, not to blow you live, not, you know, at the on No blow podcast, me sandwiches. But <laughs> it just, you know, the character that you have, like, I, I think you're just, like, an awesome person. I think I, people, I appreciate that. You know, it's a, I've, I've always lived my, my life by a simple rule, and the eas easiest way to say it is just treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna treat you with respect at all times. Give it back, because if you don't get it back, my that door's shut. You yeah. can go fuck yourself. Like when seriously, like when you say like, oh, Mark Lopez. Like I've never heard not anyone be like, I love that guy. Like that's uh, it. that's all I, I'm telling I could, you. Know? I could introduce you. To yeah, there's a few. <laughs> <laughs> there's a well, few. But he's that's blocked okay. by that one guy. That's about it. I appreciate that. And so. I, I, you know what? I've always tried to. Um, be fair and and be kind and, and treat people with respect. Right, you got enough compliments. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Now I'm going to be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, how did uh, two man form? Like how did that go? Go ahead, Jeff. You can start and all. Okay, that's interesting because I'm 
of the two of us here, I am not All right, I'll an do, original I'll member. But I'll, 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 yeah, you okay. got it. You know it. Story. So, um, well, Pacifier and Judas Iscariot yep. and a band called Swim Leon. Yep. And uh, Swim Leon. The Swim last Leon. crime. The last crime. You know where that name comes from? No. Swim Leon? Oh. Leon Klinghoffer, the guy who was thrown off the uh, the boat, the uh, Achille Lauro, the no. cruise ship. He was okay. a guy in a wheelchair, and he was it was um, it was a boat that was hijacked, yeah. a cruise yes. ship, and his name was Leon Klinghoffer. This happened probably in the eighties, I want to say. I believe he was so, in a wheelchair, yeah. and he was thrown off the ship. His name was Leon. <laughs> so the band's called Swim Leon. Um, the Last Crime played that show too. Oh, oh, last the Last Crime. crime. Uh, well, I'm thinking funny, of the members man. of Two Man. So um, we have a friend named Brent Clark who uh, was a Long Island hardcore guy, and uh, he moved up to Vermont for college. He's lived there ever since. And he lived, he had this big cabin in the middle of the woods, nowhere near anybody else, and he used to have these crazy Halloween parties. He'd invite all his friends who were in bands from New York, Long Island, to come up and play until 4 o'clock in the morning. And Halloween of 1996, uh, he had one of these parties, and Aaron and I were in Judas. Him, Harry, and Mike were in uh, Pacifier. And Rob, or Skate, the other guitar player in Two Man, the guy with the dreads who sings, Mm -hmm. he was in Swim Leon. And it was a great time. It was an amazing show, a lot of fun. And uh, Spag was there too, but not in a band. And he decided that for the following year's Halloween party, he wanted to put together a band just to play that one party. And everyone would dress up as Halloween, and Spag is not just a huge hockey fan, but was also like an all-state goalie when he was in high school. Yeah, he played for a lot of years. So, yeah. So he wanted to do a band, 10-minute-long songs about hockey and beer, play the party, that's it. Everyone would dress up as hockey players, that's it. One show. It's a pretty fucking good idea. 21 years later. So these guys, (laughs) and I remember when this was happening, because they were down in our practice space, but it was, it was... uh, yeah, it was Spag, Mark, Harry. Yep, and, Harry and Rob. Uh, it's a four-piece. Four-piece. And they would get. And I would just remember, I would sit on practices, and the names of the songs were Beer Number 1, Beer Number 2, <laughs> Hockey Number 1. That was it. Yeah. So oh, did Judas were, Iscariot? Oh, did, well, oh, yeah. Oh, that, Iscariot. that made it. Um, <laughs> I tried to play like Jeff, like one was, for one song, it was like the, 13 seconds. Of blah, 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 blah. It was, I sucked at it. but By that, far, by far like, the best song they had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... So, but so they, you know, everyone knew what they were doing. Everyone was kind of psyched to see this thing, and see, you know, Spag was kind of a personality in the scene. Everybody knew who Spag was. He was a right in front of the volcano. He did security at Tower Records. Everybody knew who Spag was. Yeah, and I didn't uh, even know there was security at Tower Records. Yeah, he was wandering around. Yeah, <laughs> he just bought records there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you you know, you weren't a bad kid. You didn't hide stuff. So that you. year, I was a bad so kid. That I was particular whoa, whoa. year, I was month, just stealing from the wall. <laughs> a month after all these songs had been written, a month out from this party. Um, Brent had to cancel the party. Oh, wow. And that was going to be it. That was that was it. But it came from outside. Like, people like me and I, we were so psyched. They're like, guys, you got to play at least one show. You have to air these songs at least Why'd once. Why did the party get canceled? Did the the neighbors, the neighbors. Early? I think that year, they, they had, there was something going on where they couldn't, they couldn't, like, go nuts until four in the morning and they, it's, you know, it's colossally irrelevant to the story. I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so they booked a show at Dr. Shea's with a <laughs> bunch of, yeah, well, In Lindenhurst. Um, in Lindenhurst, headlining the show, even though nobody had any idea what the band sounded like, looked like, had no idea what they And it was called Two Man Advantage. Yeah, two yeah. Man advantage. What does that even mean? Because I don't know anything it's about a, hockey. It's a hockey term when a team is penalized. Um, twice. You know, twice. 
on the same penalty. So, you know, it's five on five. One guy gets penalized. Now it's five on four. If another guy gets penalized, then you have one team five, three. It's a two man advantage. Oh, that's correct. So it's a hockey term. Yeah. 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 I think these guys went through a book of hockey terms and just started trying to do it. Yes. Killer Spag choice. and I were on the phone for like a half hour, like, yeah. uh, you know, Face ten, uh, you know, five minute major, which was a band. <laughs> that was a band. That was, was a, band. a band. Yeah, after, five for after fighting. us, yeah, five yeah. for fighting. With you know, a good tripping. One. You know, Blades of blue steel. line. <laughs> good game, a, right? Face there. off. Slap shot. You know, that was slap shot. That was taken. All right, listen, that's irrelevant to Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. So anyway, so this show happened, and I was there, and the place was packed. The place was packed. For our first show, and it was fucking funny. I say this as an unbiased person, because at the time I was at the show, I had no inkling I'd ever be in the band or that there would even be a second show. They were incredible. By the second chorus, as I remember them playing Beer Man, nobody had ever heard this song before. By the second chorus, the entire place was singing the chorus. That's when you know it's a good one. It was yeah. amazing, yeah. and it yeah. had a sense, the show had a sense of like danger that I feel like a lot of Long Island shows at the time, like that kind of, especially like, the scene, the other scenes I was in, was a lot of people with folded arms watching bands. Predictable. This had a real sense of like, I may get hit in the head any moment, <laughs> and it was so much fun, and there was so much demand that they booked a second show. Yeah, that was also packed. And what, in between, after the second show, well, let's go with the first show, Mark. Like yeah. when you when you start playing these songs and like people are going off, like what are you thinking in your head? You're like, how the fuck? Like I'm just smiling from ear to ear because this is not what I expected. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I yeah. booked the show at Doctor Shay's just so all our friends could get there. It was kind of close to wherever we all live, and they had cheap beer. They basically <laughs> and a built-in PA. The band, right. And the first show was outstanding. Like, when does that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was in, it was insane. Yeah. So after the first show, um, we had people, you know, when's the next one? And we're just looking at each other like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is a one-shot deal. And uh uh-uh. no, it's not. And we just looked at each other like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, this is not what we expected. Now I have another band going on at the same time, and so does Harry and so does Rob, and so we just kind of like rolled with it, and we played one more show, and it was packed again. And every some, but where's your shirts? Where's your demo? Well, you had the demos at the second show. Did we have them? Yeah, they had the de- that in between the first and second show. You they right. got themselves into a studio and recorded the demo because after that show, right? Judas had to show up in Vermont, and I drove up and had the demo and listened to it like twice each way. Like the band wasn't just. You know, on the surface, it was like a gimmick thing. I mean, obviously, that's something that we've heard for the last 21 years is, you know, gimmick. And I know that there's people who would probably like the band but won't give us the time of day because they look at us as hockey jerseys or, you know, jock punk. Or blah. The, We're far from it. The band <laughs> would far not from it. have yeah, succeeded it. past that second show if the songs weren't super good. And um, listen to the demo a ton. And they played a third show, which was not that great. Right. Third show, um, I was pissed. Uh-oh. What, what, what happened? At that point. It fell flat, that one. They decided, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one, we're not going to talk about that one. Next. Go ahead. At that point, I think really? they had sort of yeah, decided. we're going to next it. We're going to next it. Okay. Yeah, they decided that they kind of want to be a real band. And the demo clearly had two guitar parts going on. And I just said, you know, <clears throat> if you're going to be a band, you clearly need Another guitar player. Now, at this time, Jeff has never played guitar in his life. Oh, no, I never, never played guitar. Play guitar. Went out, <laughs> bought himself amps, a guitar. Yeah, he did have three amps. <laughs> went, out, went out, bought himself a guitar, showed up to practice, and blew us away. Knew every song front to back, no stopping, no teaching. He had it. And I just looked at 
that spag. I'm like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> a band that's not supposed to be doing anything is now growing legs. And every other band that we were in broke up within about six months. Yes. Within yes. about six months, every band that we had in that was like the real bands, Quarters broke up. Oh, well, Quarters broke up. Judas broke up. Pacifier broke up. Yep. Some Leon broke up. Every band broke up. That's a lot going on fast, and, man. And we it were the bands. And in line and it shit. happened yeah. quick. Within within a year, uh, two, we did two split seven inches with local bands, Loiterers and Mad Cow Disease. By October of 98, which was one year after the first show, um, we got signed. A CD was out. Label signed by it, it, royalty. Uh, royalty records. Royalty records. At Had the time, they out. were. They actually came and saw us at the Roadhouse Pub in Center Reach. Center Reach, okay. And I think shout we out, went shout on out a, to my high school. We went out. We went on about like two thirty in the morning. It was a double header with Furious George. We right, played we, two we played two shows, shows two shows in one day. I was in jail in '98. But God. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, did you we see our on... drummer there? Did you see our old drummer at the time? Because he may have been I, I there with you. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he, Harry played that show. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. it I'm did joking. happen though. Yeah, I know. yeah. He might have should... been. He might have been in Riverhead with me. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? So Royalty Records came out and saw us, and we went on like two thirty in the morning, and like two thirty in the morning. Three oh, thirty yeah. seconds in, the place erupts, and we're like, "This is fucking crazy." It's it's late, man. I'm old. Now, this is 20 years ago. I'm like 33, and I'm old at this fucking show. I'm 53 now. Who gives a fuck? Let's go. I'll, I'll play at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. My whole mentality has changed, of I course. guess. But that's how we got signed, and then we did our first tour with Kill Your Idols, and that was just- How long was that tour? It was 10 days, down to Florida and back, and I had booked Kill Your Idols' first tour. Uh, this is when I was booking tours. You were tours. booking tours. Like, what was that like back then? Uh, difficult. You there did, was like, no internet. Human, right? <laughs> there was no internet. You had to get on the phone. Yeah, I booked in Humans Tour too. Yeah, we're gonna get Mike on the show soon. Yeah, Definitely. yeah, I, I love that band. Love Mike, and um, it was a lot of phone work, <laughs> you know. And it's you—you you basically picked up a copy of book your own fucking life, and you did the best you could. Is that what you did? Yep, absolutely. And that's how I booked tours. Was there a bunch of like sketchy Rick to Life like bookings in there, or did he help out at all? Um, because I know he was big back then. No, no, I I pretty much did it all on my own. I mean, I, if, every once in a while, if I got in a snag in a certain city, I would I would ask for help, mm-hmm. you know, at a show or something. Hey, you know anybody in Detroit or something like that? But it was all it was all on the phone, and it was so the, different. The one thing that that I find fascinating that that I I get from just like talking to people on, on this show is um, just the the aspect of like people going to a show that you booked, and like let's say the venue closed, the show moved, the show's canceled. Like, how did you find that out? Yeah, you found out when you got there. Yeah, yeah. that's that, that happened, happened to us before. Our first tour that happened, we we drove from uh, we had a show in Austin, Texas, and we had drove from New Orleans to Austin, Texas, which is not a crawl. And the no. place was uh, boarded up. Wow, nobody mm-hmm. to get in touch Horrible. with. Horrible. We went for dinner. We saw in the papers that the Riverboat Gamblers were playing that night. And we called the club begging, and they, they said no to us. And I think we ate dinner and packed up the car and went to Phoenix. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it's a whole different time then. I mean, yeah. now you know everything is so accessible. You know, you can get in touch with anybody, any place, any time. You know, it's just it's 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 different. But I also think it's lost its personal touch. The personal touch. I you know was what I mean? Say, I, is that I, what you I mean? made contact with you, looking for a show for my band, and you helped me out. So when I got to meet you, it was like we already had like a little bond. You know what I mean? So we'd go over details. We, we would go over details. We would talk about, you know, what time do you want us there? What's our slot time? Who else is playing? Blah, blah, blah. And we do what we could and put ads in Under the Volcano or little magazines or whatever the fuck, you know, just to get word out that, hey, we're coming through town. 
and now it's different. Now it's you know it's all internet based, and I just I feel maybe because I'm old, but it's just lost its personal touch. You, you know what I mean? I think there's yeah, no, definitely. Th- there's things that you know, I'm friends with people on Facebook. I don't even fucking know. But um, what, what do you think of, of of like the time? Like you said, like the, the difference in 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 eras. Let's let's say as far as like uh, booking a tour, which uh, did you ever do or? Did well, you I kind out? of I well, when I joined the band, I mean, Mark was in the band for the first, and so from that, the band formed around '97, and Mark was in the band until about 2001, September 2001. And right. in that, so, wow, those years he yeah. did everything. He did all the booking and everything. When and Mark, I ordered the T-shirts, and I scheduled practice, and I dealt with the label, and he I, was the guy. I took care of the van, and whatever had to get done for two man, Mark took care of. He, he was the guy. Um, when he left the band, I kind of took over that role from him. Okay, so I have. A foot in the early 2000s when it was like that, you know, using contacts we had, phone calls, things like that. Um, I had also, my first tour I ever did was with a, a band from Pittsburgh that's still around called Submachine. And I played drums, I filled in for them, summer 94, I turned 21 on that tour, which those are some guys to turn 21 with. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, so I remember the days of like calling triple A to get directions to where you're going. You know, or like the kid, it was funny because people were posting some old flyers and there was a time where it wouldn't just be the address on the flyer. It would be like, you know, Directions. take the Long Island Expressway uh, to yeah, 45, yeah, yeah. turn yeah, left right, at the yeah. thing, Like that know? flyer right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, you that's this, a big paper map yeah. from the uh, yeah, totally. glove box. So I wasn't unfamiliar. I definitely used the book Your Own Fucking Life Manual, which was like the internet for, I mean, it was a roadmap, really. It was yeah. great. Now, it explain was to people every year. What, that, what that book is like that having probably... Book Your Own Fucking Life is... is uh, is put together by a bunch of volunteers and under the volcano staff did do it one year and I, I did help out with it. And what it you do is started by maximum. Rock yeah. Roll. Maximum rock and roll started it. And I, I, it's still going today, but it's, well, there's an online version, yeah, it's online. but it's not very updated anymore. Right. Like it used to be, but it used to, used to submit all your data. Um, you know, whether you were a promoter or distro or label or band. Um, and it was categor categorized by state. So, you could always find, okay, um, I'm going to be in California, so let me find a show in San Diego, and then you just start searching. And this thing was thick. This thing was fucking huge. It was a big book. I got to say, close to 300 pages, you know, that's a lot of data. And all manually entered, you know, typewriters and shit. <laughs> it was, but it was, uh, it was a great learning experience. I know the staff of the Volcano of the Year, I did it. We all worked hard on that. And that's like a. That's like. Oh. It's, it's something to be proud of. I love. Yeah, it. I absolutely. It's like giving back, man. Giving back, like we played. Uh, my band played New Jersey last weekend, and then we played like out in Bushwick, and uh, the show in Bushwick uh, had a band from Canada, and like my aunt came and watched this, and I'm explaining to her, you know, kind of the deal. Cause she's like, "Why are they from Canada or whatever?" Yeah, yeah. And anyone who isn't involved in it, it like you know i try to explain to them it's like yeah when they come here like everyone helps like and yeah. if we ever needed to go to fucking toronto whatever it's like this awesome just like community like yeah the, the, you the show you played in holtzville that was to generate some money from your friends that were going That's on the road right, right? yeah exactly example. so it's yeah. it's like this i know like, exactly what you mean I, I i love it i went through that quite a few with with girlfriends where um, 
like I, I bring up a band from Baltimore. I actually remember the band, band Meat Jack. I brought them up to play Deja one time. They're our next guest. From Oh, nice. Yeah. From Didn't Baltimore. that dude have like a 40-inch bass drum or something? Yes. 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 Okay. yes. That's all I yeah, fucking yeah, remember. Yeah. And that dude's going to say they, something else. No. And they broke down. They broke down on the, the way. Name on the way was in there. <laughs> the on the way to the show, they broke down. And I drove the two-man van, and I picked them up and brought them to the show. And they still are able to play the show. And now... Now, I feel like I'm the promoter. I, I'm the reason why they're coming here. It's my job to take care of them. Now, after the show, I made sure not only to get a hotel, but I put their friggin' van into the right mechanic's hands. And the girlfriend I had at the time, she's just looking at me like, why are you doing all this? I said, because if I was on the road, they would do the same for me. Yeah. Right. That's exactly That's it. That's it. Yeah. Simple. And Simple. It's still, that's still the way. Just because we have the internet, which makes it, you know, it does make it much easier to, to, to book things or find people who can help. There's still no replacement for those human connections and contacts you make. I mean, we're doing, um, I don't want to get into it now, but on the way back from the two-man tour, me, Rob, and Aaron are doing this kind of side thing. I saw that, like and an we're playing, thing, right? Yeah, it's like an acoustic thing with bass drums, and we'll be playing together in May. Um, but we're playing Elko, Nevada, Salt Lake City, Utah, Minneapolis, and these dates did not come from internet searches. They came from contacts that are more than 15 years old. So... That human connection is still the way it's to go, there. but the yeah, internet, yeah. I guess, maybe is what gets you there first if you have no contacts in yeah, a particular of course. city. Yeah, I like that. Um, now, the, the first record, the first full length, if we can go back there, which was called, was it? Drafted. 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 Okay. Yeah, um, we wanted to call it Drafted, D-R-A-U-G-H-T-E-D. This was my idea. This was my first, <laughs> this was one of my first creative contributions to the band, okay. is coming up with the album title, Drafted, because... It you know we got, drafted. We got a record your first contract. Album, yeah, but it also has like a beer reference of a draft. But I wanted to spell it with eight like that with the yeah, G R A to make it very clear <laughs> yeah. it was a beer reference. And everyone's like the guys in the band like everyone's just, everyone's going to call the album Drouted. Yeah, and I'm like yeah, no, yeah. I'm like come on no no no. They, so I brought it, it to work with did. me. I brought it to work and I just wrote it and I said say this. And everybody said drouted. Damn. So I went back with my. I'm like, yeah, we had to change it to draft. All right, fucking O'Neaters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we. Um. And and how did Spag find like? He wrote all the lyrics, right? No, that's. Oh, really? That's that's a little bit of a of a team uh, concept. Oh, that's interesting. Now it's more of a coach. Coach writes majority of the Coach, lyrics and, and skate and, 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 and Mike's written some too. Yeah, Mike too. It's collaborative. Mike the too. whole I, band is collaborative. I don't write any lyrics. I mean, there are no individual songwriting credits on any two man advantage song ever. Every song okay. written by two there man is advantage. Somebody I may come up with a core of a song or or Rob or him, lyrics. Everything goes through what I call the two man advantage filter. It's a filtration system where it goes through all of us and comes out something different and and hopefully you know, better, because I think that we all are creative people. We yeah. all have input. All of us have input to the lyrics, even if it's a line. I mean, the last album, I I don't do any of the vocals. One song. One, one song, I'm vocals on Dynasty. But anyway, um, well, I wear a mask on stage. It's hard to sing. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, don't, I don't have a lot to do with the lyrics, but the last album, there was a session, and we were just stuck on a line, and something popped into my head, and it worked, and we used it. So it's it's a total collaborative system. But Spag actually writes some of my favorite lyrics was on the my, first uh... album, which is Fast Car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He writes all lyrics on Fast Car, which are great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had on on our, our new we have an EP out called Bar Down, and you know there was there was Aaron was uh, a coach was told he and I were talking to practice, and I said, "How come you guys never wrote a song like Empty Netter?" 
He, he's like, what? I said, you don't, there's no empty netter. There's always an empty netter in a game. Sure shit. There's an empty netter on the new two-man record. So, nice. uh-huh. so it's just little things like that that, right. that like he said, we all just pitch in and yeah, and yeah. just yeah. go. Wow, okay. Um, so then, yeah, I, I don't know the whole catalog, but is there anything, any other songs that have nothing to do with hockey? Yeah, we have a few. There's about porno. Okay. Um, that's not, yeah, cars. That's, that's the one song yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the song's, yeah. The song's about cars. Song. Our, yeah. our audience loves porn. Yeah. So yeah. It was a good lead. There's yeah. one yeah. song. Yeah. Good lead with that. We're we're not, like we, we are not allowed to play that song at ABC No Rio. We avoid that song at ABC. The porn yeah. song? Um, yeah, we avoid the porn song. Yeah. Um, but uh, this song's about some right. drinking. This song's about some cars. I mean, you know. What, is but it to just me, the connection? I got to tell you, though. I got to tell you, though, something, though. Okay. The, and, I, and I mean this. I'm not being, I'm not trying to, like, retroactively put some meaning behind it. But especially, maybe not some of the early, like the earlier records that were a little more less subtle about, yeah, hockey and stuff. But a lot of the, the, the newer stuff, the last Dynasty, which was the last full length, which was before he rejoined and Bar Down, the lyrics are about hockey, but there is a slightly deeper meaning to some of the songs that, that are more fundamentally about people working together as a community, about yeah. friendship, about bonds that keep people together. And um, if you look a little deeper, there is some. There's some underlying over uh, yeah, undertones that, that are, we use hockey almost as a metaphor for some okay. things. I'm not making it more like artsy fartsy than it is. Believe me, I'm not. It's it's punk rock. It's about hockey. It's about drinking. It's about friendship. But that is pretty meaningful. Yeah, if yeah. you dig down, there's you know. a little bit more. Okay, there's a little more. Um, so you left September 2001. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I left. This is no shit. My last show in the band was nine eight. Oh one, wow. and then three days later, the Twin Towers came down, and wow. I, I went, my last show was at the Continental, which you guys know was oh, yeah. down the block. And, yep. and to add to that, wow. and I would, it was scary. <laughs> it's some, that's a scary time, man. It was it was fucked up. To, to add to that, also, um, there was a band that they just broke up recently called the Bullies, and we played with the Bullies all the time, uh, going back to the nineties, and their guitar player in that band was uh, Johnny Heff. Johnny Heffernan is his real name. He was a firefighter. He was at that show on September 8th. It was a Saturday night, yep. I think. Yep. And uh, he was at the show. We were like, man, man, hey, you guys aren't even playing tonight. Why are you out here? And I just remember him being, dude, he's like, I'm here to see my favorite band. Hang out with you guys. And uh, he was killed. He was wow. killed four yeah. days later in yeah. the attacks. Wow. That's crazy. I was, not, I was waiting for it, but I was like, maybe yeah. he didn't. No. Tribute shows were done for him every year at the Trash Bar. We played almost all of them, and... Uh, Trash bar closed, so I guess they've kind of stopped, and the bullies recently split. But we did it for many, many years, and remember him. And he was awesome. He was—I would not fuck with that guy. No, he's fucking Popeye. One the punch, I'm done. Yeah, I'm have done. a nice I'd day. <laughs> right to sleep. Yeah. What made you leave the first time? Um, I got promoted at work, and I was not able to give the band the time to tour because um, at the time we were on the road a lot, a lot, and I couldn't do it anymore. And the the job that I that I took um, took care of my family financially. And now I have benefits. Now I have vacation. Now I have, and I I, could, I doubled my money. I doubled my hourly income. So I was like, I I don't I, guys, I can't turn this down. This yeah. is what's going to take care of my kids. I have to do this. So I did. Um, and I you know I don't regret it in any way. You, you know what I mean. But I still stayed in touch with the band. I made a a point of seeing them play at least once a year. Um, we would go to a show and just these these guys are the greatest dudes I've ever been in a band with. These guys are my brothers. What was it like when he left, Jeff? Not 
entirely unexpected. I think that we kind of saw it, it coming with his kids, and his kids are just amazing, and they've turned. I got to say that really outside of the band, I have a very, very deep respect for Mark, um, that he has been able to balance so much stuff and do all this punk rock stuff and give to the scene and book shows and do all that stuff, but really raised, you know, four kids, really, three biological kids, one one from, yeah. uh, you know, another relationship, but who he really helped raise, and all four of those kids um, I've seen gone from this big to being taller than me, adults, I mean, he's a, his, his oldest kid has uh, kids of his own, so Mark's yeah. actually Our a grandfather. Uh, I got three grandkids. And they are all, it's, it's wonderful. It's, they it's are great. all amazing kids. And they grew up essentially with a single father. And um, I have all the respect in the world for Mark. And we saw it coming because his kids were, were reaching an age where they were going to need their father around. We knew about the job. So it wasn't – we got the vibe from him. Um, but it, it sucked because we were losing a great bass player, um, a guy who wrote – who has written songs um, – where did the name, you know. uh, your your two-man name come from? Okay, um, at the time... Which is Timu... Yeah, Timu Heineken yep. is my name. And you're supposed to, we were, when we started, we said we would combine our favorite hockey player with our favorite beer. Uh, and, at the, <laughs> and at the time, I was drinking a lot of Heineken, even though I, I only drink Guinness now. Yeah. Like, I won't, if if it's not Guinness, I'm not drinking it, so yeah. have a nice fucking day. Heineken yeah. sucks. But yeah, Heineken yeah, but sucks. at the time, I was drinking a lot of Heineken, so it was Timu Solani. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. <laughs> Timo Solani is my favorite hockey player of all time and still is. That's my guy. And Heineken was what I was drinking at the time, so I became Timo Heineken. And uh, Jeff in the band is, is just captain. Well, well, he has I a didn't last start name. That. I didn't, have a it last hasn't name. been used since the very first album. That's right. And so this is some deep. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> my full name. It wasn't necessarily beer, but it was alcohol. So my full my full name that I haven't used since draft it came out was Captain Bannerman. And Captain came from Captain Morgan, which I'm not, I don't even like rum. So I guess I'm with you. I picked <laughs> yeah, an alcohol yeah, I don't even yeah. like. Um, but then I had to think of like like a Jewish hockey player. And so I came up with yeah. Murray Bannerman, who was a backup goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> so, I, so I was Captain Bannerman. And after a while, it just I just forgot that. Right. And just went with Captain. Yeah. Harry Harry's band, uh, name in the band, was uh, Amstel Fuhr. Okay. Amstel Fuhr. And then... Uh, well, because Grant, because Grant. Harry's a black guy, and You're Grant right. Fior was Harry's a black, black guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no. Um, and he's Amst and Spag was drunk bastard. That no, no. He Bud Bud Kachuk. Kachuk, Bud Kachuk on the first record. Yeah. Then he changed his name to Drunk Bastard. Yeah. And Rob has always been plain old skate, yeah. plain old skate. All three words, yeah. plain old <laughs> skate. That's that's Rob. So we actually have nicknames for our nicknames. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I got it. Fresh. The the bass player took my place. Uh, Jeff Snapshot, awesome kid. I love this guy. Um, he carried the torch for 13 years in the band. Okay. Now, the band's in its 21st year. I've done eight. I've done the first four and the last four. And the 13 in between wow. were done by one guy. So basically, this band's 21 years old with only two lineup changes. Yeah. That's that's insane. Show me another yeah, band yeah. that can do that. And that when Harry say, left the many. band, no. Harry left the band around 2002, he was replaced with Aaron, or coach, but he was already in the band as like a background singer. So he just went from in front of the stage to behind the kit. And he's so still singing. In 21 years, the last brand new person who joined the fold was Jeff Snapshot in 2001. 2001. Now, did you have him picked out? Like when He was already very tight with us. Uh, he was good friends with us. He came on the road with us and was kind of our photographer. Snapshot, 
came because he's an amazing, incredible photographer. And he did a lot of photos for us. Uh, the second album, Don't Label Us, all the photos in that were taken by him. Yeah. So he And he was also a really good bass player. He played in some bands before us. And he knew all the songs. So he was just the most logical choice. And I think before he actually joined, he kind of filled in for some dates that Mark yeah, couldn't do. I, I, they, they gave me a heads up at work that, uh, that I probably shouldn't be taken off for my band because I'm being looked at for a promotion. Oh. So I kind of took that as like, okay. And then I told the guys like, look, I can't, well, I can't yeah. do this one coming up. Somebody else is going to take my place. And Jeff did. But I had known Jeff. I think I knew Jeff before anybody else where I, I was booking his band. He was in slap, slap joint. joint, right? Slap joint, and I, I and he was just a great bass player and great kid, and I loved him, and I, and I was glad that it was him who took my place. We did it. We did a um, a month long tour without Mark with with Jeff, and Jeff wasn't officially in the band, and I'll never forget that we had breakfast in Arizona, ironically enough, and um, Spag got a came back to the table as breakfast and he's like I just spoke to Mark and he's uh, I got the job. he's officially quitting the band and at breakfast that day we looked at Jeff who had already been on the road with us for like half a month I'm like so how do you feel about making this permanent yeah you're he's in like, dude he's like alright <laughs> and that was it and that's wow. great that's like in house yeah if you're yeah, already yeah. there anyway good fit good fit perfect dude you know it's like having somebody move in that you're friends with yeah as yeah as opposed to like a Craigslist yeah, list, yeah. You know? yeah. Right. it's like I hope and so work. now what the fuck are we gonna do <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's all right. Brian Langan, you play bass, right? <laughs> no, but oh, I can try. Actually, Dave, I'll get. Yeah, you know what, Mariko? There you go. Um, I play guitar. Mariko's awesome. I'll cut yeah, two strings yeah. off that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Deja One, right? That's okay. what you wanted. To, yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Deja One story. Um, Deja One was. I always, always, I'll never forget that place. That was, uh, that was a place that was very special to me and. A venue, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That venue. It was after. Deja came after PWAC 2 got yep. shut down after uh, what PWAC 2 had like four the, shows. It was the place in Bayshore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was I was lucky. Warehouse. I got to play there one yeah. time but with the VSS. Yes. Yep. Before before it got shut down. Because the H2O was the last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Raided by the cops. That was it. That was uh. it. So what happened was I was in the studio um, recording. This is with Pacifier now. And Two Man is, uh, is kind of, st- I was in two bands at the same time trying to balance them, and it was kind of tough. Because Pathfire was doing stuff. I mean, we, put off, we had records out and had all that shit, and always on the, not always on the road, but we went on the road too. But um, Pathfire was recording at a studio in uh, Copeg that my somebody hooked me up with this guy, this metalhead dude. And uh, we're in a studio, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to start doing shows at this place in Mineola." I said, "I said really?" I said, "What do, What do you know about doing shows?" And uh, he's like, no, nah, you know, not, not, I don't know a whole lot, but man, I'm going to make a lot of money. I said, really? I said, where, where are you going to do this? And he said, uh, this catering hall uh, I found in Mineola. I said, really? What street? He said, uh, he said, Willis Avenue. I said, okay. I was like, well, what do you know about doing shows? It's like nothing, but you know, I'm going to make a lot of money. That's all he kept saying to me. And I am art before profit. I don't give a flying fuck about so, any money. So it's off-putting. Right. Yeah. So I looked at him and I said, really, you think you can do this shit? I drove down to Deja the very next day and knocked on their door. And I introduced myself to the owners. <laughs> and I sat down and I said, this is what I want to do and this wow. is how much I'm going to pay you. And they let me in. And I said, fuck that other guy. Yeah. He never got to do a show there. Oh, that's amazing. I, 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 I fucking took it right on from his fucking feet right. because I was not going to let him rip yeah. us off. 
That wasn't going to fucking happen. Because all he kept talking about was how much money he's going to make. It's not about the money, you fucking dickhead. It's about taking care of these bands and taking care of the people that take care of our community. This is our community. You're a metalhead. And I'm knocking metalheads. Not in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to hear shit. However, <laughs> this guy this guy did not does not understand the hardcore and punk ethic. He doesn't fucking get it. No. So you know what? You don't get to do this shit. Fuck you. Have a nice day. I I'll took tell you it. What, I stole it. I'm sure that that guy's pissed now knowing that fucking system of a down played Deja One. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that yeah, guy yeah. grew up to be. That yeah. guy grew up to be <laughs> Lars Ulrich. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. I, I don't know where he is, but um, he, he's just, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't one of us. He just, he wasn't one of us. And at that time, Long Island needed a place because we, you know, we always had that one place, whether it was PWAC or PWAC 2. Or, we always had that one place where we always went. And I, you know, Jeff and I have done interviews before and, you know, where you know, I hear Jeff say, you know, we went to Deja. We didn't give a shit who was playing. We just fucking went. Because number one, you're going to see good bands that you probably weren't going to see too often. And all of our friends were going to be there. And yep. it was just going to be a good time. And it was all ages, no alcohol. Which to me at that time had to happen here on Long Island at that time. Because there was a lot of, the straight edge movement at that time was pretty Huge. big. Yep. Pretty big. Uh-huh. And I've always, I, I, I'm not straight edge. I've never been straight edge. But I respect it. And I support it. And I can't say it always comes back to me because I've been discriminated against because I'm not. But that happened in Boston in 1983. But I'm not going to talk about that. So you can, so. if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. It was 1983. I met Dave Smalley at a god at a Newberry Comics. He had a TSOL jacket on. I'm looking at him. I'm a Southern California kid, and somebody from Boston knows who fucking TSOL is. He and I became lifelong friends. To make a long story short, I went to his rehearsal space when he was in DYS, and I met the FUs and Gang Green and all those guys, and I'm outside drinking beer and smoking cigarettes, and they're looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and Dave was like, he's from LA, leave him alone, he's cool. Yeah. And that was it. Nice. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. They didn't fuck with me ever after that, but they, they, I, they're eyeballing me, I'm like, motherfucker, really? <laughs> in all fairness, I'm only straight edge because I tried heroin for like a few years, and no. I figured I should get off. I like, no. I like a clean Sammy. No. <laughs> I'll take me a clean Sammy. I remember- uh, That should be a sandwich, <laughs> like a clean Sammy. What do you want? I, I want always a clean dabbled Sammy. in straight edge. You, know? you dabbled? Like a day no, I respect it. I've, I've supported, I've booked many, many a straight edge band, and I, I stand by it. You know, if that's your thing- more power to you, but it's just not for me. So I remember don't... you breaking up uh, what was going to be an ugly fight between uh, Motive and Tommy Corrigan mm-hmm. many of times at Deja One. I remember that. And day. then Neil Rubenstein got in there. But and Having know. all ages, though, it, it helps the scene, though, too, because you're growing new fans into it that wouldn't be able to go to the shows because yeah. they were 21 that's, and over. Or that's the why fuck, I you know? never. It helps. Now, I, I don't know how many people know, but when we, when we started doing shows at Deja, the bar was off limits downstairs. Yep. The, the bar downstairs is... Is where all the, the the Portuguese yep. guys go down there and watch the soccer games and and they get fucked up. But there was one band who was allowed to go down there. I don't know what band that is. <laughs> it was Could've it was been... really funny going down there too because uh, I remember playing there and I think it was like Mephistopheles or something. We went down to get a drink and yeah, we were the with the two men advantage, the, the only band allowed and you, downstairs. You can see the roof. Yes. going like up and down uh, like yeah, from the kids shaking, stomping shaking. and none of the like we're all looking at like. This happens every week. This is going to fall in any day now. And none of the old Portuguese dude gave a shit. <laughs> they didn't care. It didn't even phase them that the ceiling was like constantly going like this. Yeah, like every. Yeah. yeah. So we, two men would go down there and get warmed up, you know, before yeah. our shows, but nobody else was allowed. And it was oh, kind of yeah. cool because yeah. it was our little bar, you know, in, in, in little Portugal downstairs. Little Portugal. <laughs> it was I, cool. I, uh, 
I remember being at Webster Hall and like watching, I think it was like Queens of the Stone Age and it was the same thing. I remember just, just being upstairs and the floor like just bouncing mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. I feel like I'm going to fall through the fucking, and that's like a <laughs> I super. I think the bouncing gives it the give to not yeah, fall yeah. through. So a couple of places that were give. all like that. Yeah. You got to have some give. Got to have some give. <laughs> yeah. Bend but not break, baby. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but Deja to me was will always be special. It's uh, it was a great place. Um, How many years did it did it go? I think Deja went for two years, and I was I was running it for about a year and a half. I think it went about two and a half years, and then when the two man schedule got too hectic, I had to step aside because I wasn't going to be around to to run things you know what i mean and so i formed my first collective there the more noise collective and there was about 10 of us and just you know just great people rich hall and adam and uh hey i'm gonna forget names right now so i'm gonna stop right there christian <laughs> I mean, oh god I, you know i i could keep on going because it was a very special time for me and it was just a way of and i was older then you know i was 33 34 and most kids coming to the shows were, you know, 17, 18, 20 years old kids. Yeah. Band included. Yep. You know, and and I never I never felt like the old timer. You know, and I was a dad already at that time. And my kids were going to shows and they were running around Deja and everybody looked out for those kids. Everybody looked out for my kids. And I always respect that. And I always you know, this is that's dear to my heart, you know. I'm looking out for you, you're looking out for mine. That's how we roll. All right, Mark. So you were gone for 13 years and in those 13 years um, what were you doing? Just being a dad? I, yeah, I was. Uh, my my kids are all uh, lacrosse players, and they were all being recruited. And I would have to take my kids all over the country for camps and recruiting trips. And uh, I worked two jobs for two and a half years to, to be able to afford all that. Lacrosse is not a cheap game. Um, that's why uh, I just I needed the extra money. I had to. I was being a dad. That's that's what Mark was doing for thirteen years. Was taking care of my kids. And then um, I just, when my youngest got to seventh grade, which is, which is about the time he, as a coach, because I'm also their coach, I coach them in football and lacrosse. Um, when they get to seventh grade, you basically, as a parent, you have to let go because now they're playing at school. And you, we're not allowed to coach. There's no dads on the sidelines. You know, they're paid coaches and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I have free time in my hands and I was sitting there like, I got to do something and I got to do something constructive because I'm, sometimes can be my own worst enemy in that time did you play the bass i didn't i know i actually gave my bass to my oldest son he took it to philadelphia i said take this away from me because i have no use for it oh wow so when he was going to grad school at university of pittsburgh he had a story i think i've ever heard he got (laughs) he got in a band and he used my bass and and he sent me a video and i was like at least somebody's using it you know and that i still have that fender that's the fender i use now in two man um so i kind of knew that I had I still had some music in me and I still liked to be you know I've always loved the part of being in a band um and writing songs and just having just having a good time with it I I I achieved what I wanted to do through two man in the first four years where you know I got to put records out and go on tour and be with the four greatest fucking guys in the world and I just uh I was just looking to play so I went, drove down to Philadelphia to my oldest son and said, uh, say, uh, uh, can I have my bass back? And he, <laughs> did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, so now he plays I'll the drums, he plays the guitar. I got a gig tonight. Dang. He plays the keyboards, he plays bass. Right. He, this guy He's can got play plenty it. of stuff. To yeah, play. he had plenty. He's like, yeah, go ahead. I'm not using it anymore. So I brought my bass back and then I started, uh, I, I just made a couple of uh, mentions to a 
to some friends, uh, Vinny Cigar for one, and uh, Vinny connected me with Andy from Splinterface, Andy Flav, um, and Andy and I just started writing some songs, just just hanging out, and he's the drummer, and we started this little band called, it's spelled Warsaw Sage, but it's pronounced oh, yeah, War, Sausage. War Sausage. Yeah. War Sausage, yeah, yeah. You know what your War Sausage is, right? <laughs> course okay everybody's got one well, I, I mean every dude's got one you got yeah. a war sausage <laughs> so, so we start yeah and it was just it was fun and uh we had we were a five piece and it just uh it wasn't what i was looking for musically but it was fun to play so from there um um i started uh, another band called the great lie with with carrie merkel on, on vocals and um shout out to carrie yeah what, carrie what, carrie's love- one of my favorite fucking people he in the is, world i never yeah. see him but he's one of my favorite people to talk yeah, to yeah, when i see him yeah carrie's yeah. awesome and uh and jerry from uh jerry was also in splinter face and jones crusher and he jerry on guitar and um harry from two man this is now my third band with harry uh was the original drummer of the great lie so we started as a four piece and i was just having fun playing again and we i was in 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 uh, drop d and i've never played in drop d before Everything in two man has always been standard tuning and still is to this day. War sausage and dropping D seem to go together. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. So I, I was playing again and I was having fun and I enjoyed it. And then um late twenty fourteen, um Jeff Snapshot, the guy that replaced me in Two Man, told these guys that he was um moving to DC. And I went to their show at Sinclair's, cause, which is right around the corner from my house, and uh, I had spoken to Jeff, and I had spoken about it. Spag and I had spoken about it. Aaron and I had spoken about it. Rob and I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Robbie skate. So I went there. I went to the show, and I watched the two men, and just had the greatest time. had fun. And, and I went to Rob. I said, you know, you're the last guy I have to talk to. I said, but, you know, I'm playing again, and uh, he's leaving. I, if you're in a pinch and need a bass player, I'll, I'm telling you right now, I'll play. And Rob looked at me and he said, that's not good enough. If you're coming back, you're coming back for good. And I looked at him and said, fuck yeah, dude, I'm in. That's mm, awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you know, so, and then the first show back, this is the fucked up part. It's not like I'm going to get a little warm up, <laughs> a little warm up at fucking Joey's bar down the street. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> I've done that before. Don't <laughs> <go>. so, <laughs> so, I've broken so I come back. Toys. I come uh, back to the band. Jeff moves to D.C. and I come back to the band. And... Um, and it's just it's just fun again. It was refreshing. I, at the time, I was forty. I'm fifty three, so forty nine. I was forty nine when I came back, and I I felt like a fucking kid again. And it, and just just being around these guys is just enough for me. They could have asked me, "Hey, we need a fifth for a fucking ping pong team. Are you in?" Yeah, fuck you. I'm in. I'd have done it. I didn't give a shit. I got. I now have the time to be around guys that I love. I'm gonna do, fucking do it. It just happened to be I'm playing punk rock again. So they said, okay, well. Just so you know, our first show back is opening up for the Misfits at the Paramount. <laughs> wow. Right and back into the fucking deep end. No right. fucking warm-ups, Ooh. no kiddie pool. Fuck you. Get in. And with okay. our last guest, because Haunted Hacienda played. Yeah, yeah they, they opened that show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. He, now he's running for Congress after that show. <laughs> Hopeful. Yeah, they were great, too. Yeah. And that was my first show back, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And then, we, you know, we 
we did our weekends and did our tours and put out another record and doing another tour this we time. Opened, we opened for Stiff Little Fingers at Irving Plaza. Yeah. Right? Oh, nice. yeah. Snapshot yeah. in 14 years, never got to play shows like that. Yeah, yeah. He comes yeah. back and right away, bam. Right away. Yeah, I, I, get, I get the Paramount. I get the Killer. Irving Plaza. Yeah. I get the punk rock bowling in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Sorry, Jeff. I love you. <laughs> How was it uh, to have him back? It was it was great, and it it you know it it helped us have to make decisions and choices. Um, Jeff, when Jeff played the show in December, his last show, he had already been in D.C. for a few months, so there was a few months where we didn't do too much, or I would play bass at band practice just to keep some songwriting going because we had been working on some stuff, um, but we didn't really know what we were going to do necessarily. Maybe we'll just be a four-piece with one guitar player, but that didn't really feel right. And when he decided to come back, it just made it so easy. Um, it meant that the songwriting took a big break because uh, we made the first two albums with Mark and the second two albums with Jeff. Um, so Mark, you know, I think a lot of people in that situation, they come back to the band and maybe they don't really want to play the stuff that they weren't on. They just want to, you know play the stuff but not mark mark was like no i'll learn everything yeah so yeah you know like we mark. spent <laughs> this shit's good yeah. man the yeah. two records that without me are fucking great records yeah so, i listen to them i fucking love them so we spent you know the better part of of a year just playing catch up yeah getting me up gigs, to speed getting we did a tour that year and we did weekends yeah. and we you and, know, played some big shows and had fun it was great and and having mark also return and, and bring a song you know, the first song he'd written for Two Man since, you know, 2000 or whatever was, was awesome. And it just, there he was, to, you know, to my right again in band practice, just like just like always. Yeah, and, I mean, it just felt great. Like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's know, like riding a bike, man. Here you are almost, uh, but, you almost know, about to turn 50. I, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only thing that changed was the rhythm section was different because the first two records are me and Harry okay. on bass and drums. So now I don't have Harry as the drummer. It's Coach. Coach is an insane drummer, but I have to... I have to lock. I, I, right, I have to get in the pocket with with Aaron. It was like a whole new drummer, um, and Aaron's insane. He's hard to follow. He's fucking animal. You know, he's going fucking crazy. And so it took me a little while to get used to that. Um, and I'm fine now. But at the beginning, I was like, "Holy shit, what the fuck is this guy doing?" I, you know, I'll find him. Is what I kept telling myself. I'll find my drummer. Now I know where he is. Now you know. Right. What I like about the uh, the new release, I mean, there's a long story behind the new release that I'm not going to waste time telling. The Bar six, down, okay, the yeah. six song EP. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's a whole story behind. It I'm not going to waste time with. But the one thing I do want to say about I mean, it that I really right, like yeah. about it. Uh, okay, so real quick about the new album Mayhem is the intention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the intention of was um, a band, <laughs> an amazing band that we uh, have been friends with since. Uh, Actually, probably shortly after he left the band, but a long time is uh, the Daycare Swindlers, who are from Virginia. Totally amazing band. Last year was also their 20th anniversary, so we wanted to celebrate together, and the intention was to do a split LP. Um, the 20-year the re- the anniversary shows that we did, we brought them up. They played both of the shows we did, the City and the Long Island one with us, and we wanted to have the split LP ready for that show. Uh we had a deadline date of like August 1st. If everything can get everything done by August 1st, artwork, we could have the vinyl by then. One of the bands had everything ready by August 1st. The that other be, band that would be us. Hadn't, <laughs> hadn't even started finishing songwriting. And they just said, listen. Haven't even finished songwriting. <laughs> right. They're like, right. this isn't going to happen. Like, we rushed our asses off to get this done. Yeah. We Coach was cracking the whip and like, yeah, it's not going to happen. But we wanted to put something out because for our 20 years, 
we didn't want it to be a celebration of what we did 20 years ago. We wanted it to be a celebration that, you know, in our 20 years, aside from the fact that we did it with a fairly consistent lineup, we never took any breaks. In 20 years, I think the longest break we took eight was months. after the 2015 tour, we took eight months off, which was sorely needed. Um, other than that, eight months, we've never taken a break. Right. And we wanted to show that, you know, this band 20 years later, we could still write good songs. And it was important for us to have something out. That's why it's a six-song EP. It's half of an album. But what I really, really like about it is that um, three of the songs on the album were the last songs that we started with, with Jeff Snapshot. The other three songs is the stuff that we wrote once Mark rejoined. Mm-hmm. So it's a really it's good a release for me, like, you know, straddling the line between Jeff's last days and Mark and Mark rejoining. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess that just brings us to like present day. Okay. Like, like I said in the beginning of the show, um, you know, you made your announcement and all that other stuff. Obviously, the future is unwritten. Yeah. But you yeah. guys have some shows lined up. Yeah, we have we have um, April 27th at Amityville Music Hall, which is my last Long Island show. The show will be out by then, so I mean, anyone yeah, that's listening. that's my last. That's the the last show I see myself playing for the. I'm mean, you know I've learned to never say never you know so I can I can't say I'm never going to play in two man again I can't say I'm never going to play Long Island again. But as for the foreseeable future, yeah, this 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 could be it. And then we're playing in Philadelphia on Cinco de Mayo, which is you know my Mexican day. Let's go, you know. <laughs> and then uh, and then we do uh, we do punk rock bowling in Las Vegas. Huge. Yeah, Huge yeah, yeah, yeah. Lineup. It's yeah, it's we're on the subhuman Agnostic show. Blunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. yeah. We're playing. <laughs> we're not we're not on the main stage with with Rise Against and No Effects and Alkaline Trio and and the Boss Tones. It's and, way better for us what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely, we were, we're a club stage, band. We're a club band. We would be playing at two o'clock in the afternoon in front right. of nobody. Right, and then my well. makeup would be dripping inside my fucking <laughs> eyes, and I can't see shit. You know what it's like to wear a mask in hundred degree heat in that desert. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that in yeah, Albuquerque. Yeah, it's not yeah, fun. It's not fun. You make up dripping in your eyes. <laughs> this shit burns. I don't give a fuck. It burns. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. We're, we're going to see mayhem. They're going to do the same yeah, thing. So they know. <laughs> so then they uh, probably have the the thermostat set to a certain temperature in <laughs> the rider, so the, the, uh, the corpse paint doesn't. Melt. Yeah. After punk rock bowling, we're doing uh, Phoenix, San Diego, Pomona, L.A., San Francisco. Wow. So I'm going to do a West Coast run. I'm going to finish up where I started, kind of. Nice. That's awesome. You, That's you know, great. I mean, what a store. No, it's great. Yeah. This this band has been nothing but great. You know, not um, more on a personal level. I, maybe it's because I'm on the inside looking out, but I I wouldn't want to be in a band with four other guys. It really is that simple. The the young Cali kid that came over, yeah, you know, stayed for 26 years, <laughs> did so much fucking shit. You did more than most shitty Long Islanders. Yeah, you know, natives. Ah, you, you know, it's so many random occurrence. Like you met the girl from West Babylon, ended yeah. up here. This band, twenty. You know what I mean? I, I tell you, every amazing. every once in a while, when I have to tell my life story, it's sometimes I look at the shit that I've done. I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? You know? <laughs> but I just I I'm a persistent bastard. Ain't that right, Amber Quinn? She knows. <laughs> she I'm knows. I'm a persistent fuck. I yeah. know the story. The story's great. Uh, yeah, so that, yeah, that'll be part for, two. Yeah, Sam and Karen came over for dinner one time and steak they, burritos. They got the they got the yeah they got the deal. So, but uh, I really appreciate this, Sam I, and and everybody. We wanted to get you in before you left. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm still going to be around for a couple of months. But as far as playing Long Island, I got one show left. Yeah, and it's a Friday night with uh, Crazy in the Brains and Mary Todd and 
Sexual Suicide and Splatterhouse. And through SBC, the company that, I mean, the collective that you started. Yeah. You know, because you figured uh, it's something that you needed to do, right? Yeah. I mean, I started the SBC almost three years ago. And the acronym? It stands for Something Better Change, which is a a DOA record. But at the same time, when I came back to play uh, after after a 13-year break, um, no, actually 11-year break, um, people were the pay to play and the selling tickets for shows. And I'm like, that's not how this fucking shit is done. You know, art before profit. Fuck you. You want me to sell tickets? Stick them in your ass. You want me to fucking pay you to play the show? Shove that up your ass too. Not fucking happening. So I started, I started doing shows by myself for like six months and I realized that the game has changed. The game has changed so much since I did it the first time around and I could not do it by myself. So I formed a collective and I went to shows for like six months and I said, okay, I like what this guy has to say. I like what this guy has to say. I like what she has to say. And I formed a collective. And the collective started out like 13 people, and I think now it's down to like seven. Only because it's, it's, it's hard to be in a collective because it's, it's, hard, it's, it's, it's personality yeah. conflicts. Yeah. you know. And not everybody sees eye to eye, but the, the crew that's there running things now with Polly and, and Chloe and Brandon and Jesse and Chris and the other Jesse and Jackie on Flyers, is, they're, they're pretty tight. You know, and I wish them well, and hopefully they follow my lead and can carry on, you know, keeping things in an art before profit state. I think it's in good hands, definitely. I so think so, too. Polly's Polly's to- awesome. Polly Polly yeah. took over. Polly is the president now. Um, I had to, I resigned in January, and uh, but you know, I'm still very supportive of everything they do, and I still promote their shows. And Absolutely, I help and out seven, with seven people is a, d- a great amount. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of people on Long Island doing shows. Are they doing shows for the right reasons? I don't think so. I don't think so. They're, I they're I'm not going to knock anybody, but I know a lot of p- promoters that make people fucking sell tickets or pay to play, and that's fucking bullshit. To this day, that's I will not be a part of that in any way, shape, or form. DIY or die, man. That's that's me. DIY or die. It's probably that long-haired metal guy out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still haunting all that me. Bank. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Fucking running. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Some club. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff and I are playing an acoustic show. Um, do you want to? We are. Yes. Yeah. So, so what we're doing is with the punk rock bowling thing, <clears throat> is um, Mark Spag, Mike. Um, these guys are all flying into Vegas, and they're flying home after San Francisco. Uh, me, Rob, and Aaron are driving the van across country each way, and we decided, let's make this grueling drive a little bit more interesting. Um, aside from his songwriting contributions to Two Man, Rob has been writing songs more of a singer-songwriter, acoustic type, going back to well before Two Man ever started. Uh, just songs, not about hockey. <laughs> songs that are yeah. just not... <laughs> Not a fit, you know, for what Two Man really does. Some of his singer-songwriter stuff did did evolve into Two Man songs, but a lot of them just not. But he hasn't really had much of an avenue to... Like, you've gone out, you've played acoustic gigs before, right? You you opened for the Jim Blossoms at the Paramount, right, doing acoustic. Did I? No, I think it was uh, uh, Credence Revita. Re, I don't know. Well, you, you played the Paramount, and you played the Bolton Center, too. The Bolton Center. Yeah, well, but you've yeah. done these acoustic shows yeah, I've just done, you, yeah, yeah. as well as doing Playing Dead and, and Which stuff I like fucking that. hate doing, to be so. honest with you. <laughs> but I feel like, as a musician, when someone asks me to play acoustic, I should, yeah. even though I, I just... I miss the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because I have 
no faith in myself. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, maybe I'm just not good enough to do this. And sometimes I play and I feel good about myself. And sometimes I'm just like, I hear that mistake. So, but so, so yeah, so, um, irrelevant to the story. He has, a, <laughs> that's going to be your new thing, right? I have a little button. Yeah. Someone starts going off track, just hit the button, neon sign. Yeah. Relevant yeah. to the story. Um, <laughs> Rob has done very little of that. Uh, he's played a couple coffee house things, you know, kind of, you know, at a party with the fire, passing around the acoustic guitar kind of thing. But he has for a long time really wanted to do something, even if it's just recording with Aaron and I. Um, it so I, a, it was my idea to, band. I said, hey, I said, why don't we line up some gigs? And he always called it Robbie-itis because it's like when he was a little kid, he's like, oh, I got a case of Robbie-itis, you know. So uh, that's why it's called Robbie-itis. <laughs> And uh, so we are lining up these acoustic gigs to and from Vegas so that okay. the three of us can make it more interesting. Our warm-up to get our feet wet is we set up this show with, with you uh, that we're going to do at Otto's Shrunken Head in the City on uh, Thursday, May 3rd. And it's going to be, we're going to open the show and uh, I, we'll, we'll, we'll play a couple of two-man songs too, but it's going to be mostly Rob's Originals. You're playing, obviously. Um, this guy, Nick Ferrero, is coming down from New Hampshire. Uh, I met Nick because uh, he played in the Hudson Falcons, and I occasionally, Aaron and I both occasionally play in the Hudson Falcons, and he's a great kid, a little bit younger, so he's coming down. And then Mark Linsky, who is the Hudson Falcons, uh, is going to headline the show. So it's going to be an acoustic show, but it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be rocking. Cool. Definitely. Can't wait. Um, before we get into our live shows... Um, what we're going to do is I asked our, our two guests to, to just name, because I, I like I like influences. I like to know what made a person uh, the person that they are today. Um, so we asked Mark and Jeff to give us five albums and five movies mm -hmm. that have made them who they are today. So, Mark, if, if you can just give me your, yeah. your number, fifth, uh, number five album. Okay, well, I did my albums a little bit different I, because I'm an old bastard, and I, I have... My favorite record is 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, oh, sure, sure. and 2010. Ahead, so, so my favorite record of the 70s is Kiss Alive, the okay. first, the first nice. one. This, my favorite record of the 80s want, is... Yeah, just I, I don't want to miss a word. Is uh, TSOL Dance With Me. Okay. What you're wearing the shirt. Oh, which one I'm wearing the shirt. And if you notice, that guy right there is also Sweet. right there. There you go. Yeah, right. and so we I, just saw TSOL um, together. Yeah, at, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. At uh, Mulcahy's. Uh, my favorite record of the 90s is The Refused Shape of, Shape of nice. Month to Come. That was a, a game changer. Oh, yeah. Masterpiece. Blew my mind. Masterpiece. Uh, 2000s, uh, Lamb of God, Sacrament. Oh, get out of here. See, it's a little curveball for no, you. That, that so. record to me is just amazing. Yeah. And uh, this decade is the last Descendants record, okay. which to me is just, I just love that record. Well, the, the thing with that record, I can't, I don't remember, it's like spaz. Hypercaffeum spasinate yeah. or something like that. I remember listening to that record and thinking somehow this band still captured what it, it's like. This record could have come out like 25 years ago. Yes. It sounds exactly like vintage fucking Descendants, Descendants yeah. which is one of my favorite bands yeah. ever. Like yeah. They influenced like my songwriting, and they, they were a punk band that, that I actually liked, um, and just, just the songwriting. Like, uh, as simple as some of those songs seem, 
try to fucking learn some of those songs. Yeah, try, try to, to play that shit. Line. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really, <laughs> he can do it. I yeah, can't. No, I can't do it. My my age is one of my base warm up things. Okay, yeah. it's a great yeah. finger exercise. But yeah, no, I hear you. Mine is mine but is a hundred thousand years by Kiss. The thing about that Descendants <laughs> album though is that you're right musically, but lyrically there's an acknowledgement of their age. Okay, which you know their younger was about farting or whatever. And oh, there true. is a maturity in their lyrics, which I really love. I love that they acknowledge, hey, we're not those, you know, 18-year-old kids anymore. Yeah. So, but farts are still funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. But only if you use the term beef. <laughs> yeah. So, Beefing. I, I did also it. did my list. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. I did my five. list also a little bit differently because okay. if, if saying five favorite albums or something is impossible. If I came and did this podcast with you every week for the next year, my five lists would be different every week. And I wanted to give something that would be consistent no matter when I did it. So this is how I thought about it. I thought about it as a long hallway with doors, like a railroad apartment, and every room is kind of that next thing that you discover in your life and you love. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And so what's in the room, what the doorway that leads to the room yeah. may not be your favorite thing. Maybe something that's in the room you like a lot better. But I wanted to give you those albums that, for me, were those doorways. Absolutely. The thing that changed yeah. everything. So these aren't necessarily my favorite albums, but they're the albums that took me to that next road. I, I, I feel you. So the first record is the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack. The original one with Ian Gillen is Jesus Christ, Murray Head is Judas Iscariot, Von Elliman is Mary Magdalene. This side, I'm an only wow. child. <laughs> heavy, man. I'm, I know every inch of that. I'm, I'm an only child. Um, I was seven you. years old when MTV came on. I musically matured much faster than, like, by the time I was done with elementary school, I already had Black Sabbath, Rush albums, and, you know, people were still, like, listening to Madonna. Um, <laughs> so, but, but Jesus Christ Superstar, I pulled off my parents' shelf when I was about five, and it was the first adult music, you know, wasn't like the Sesame Street music right, that right. you're listening to. So that was very important to me. Uh, I still love it to this day. Andy from Kill Your Idols also loves that record, and we talked about it a lot. Ian Gillen's killer. Uh, his, his, he's mean, one of my, shit. he's my, my favorite singer of all, all time. Right, so it's you, Andy, and your me. parents. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, after Jesus Christ Superstar, through like elementary school, I was really into Hall and Oates, but the first thing that took me into sort of the hard rock metal world was my cousins giving me a cassette of Rush Exit Stage Left. The live album that came out around 80, after Moving Pictures came out. So that was kind of my first introduction to like heavier music, more progressive music. You know, so to me, that room has the Black Sabbath and Slayer things, you know. But that was my introduction from Hall to that. Yeah, yeah. The door into the punk rock world was Black Flag's Family Man, which is a really yeah. weird album. I love that. What album. Yeah, I actually have it signed by Ron. Really? That was the one thing I wanted signed. It's my That's favorite awesome. album cover. I had it on yeah. a shirt because it's brutal. I have it hanging up in yeah. my office. Yeah, which is kind of fucked up. It's really <laughs> a kid. Did you see I'm the like, parody? I think I'm like, wow. Did you see the parody with uh, <laughs> that someone did with uh, someone did a parody of it with the uh, King of the Hill family? Yeah. Oh, and that's great. Like, oh, they're all dead. Yeah, that's weird because so. I I am uh, to me Black Flag is without Henry. And oh. I know a lot of people argue yeah. with me, but no, I'm I, I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm oh. a Keith Morris guy. No, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a Rollins. I'm a Rollins. I love oh, really? Jealous, Rollins, Jealous Rollins, again to me is my favorite release by the, by Black Flag. Jealous Rollins gave amazing. Black Flag an emotional dark depth that did not exist before him, and I love that for it. Um, I get that. But I respect Henry. Used don't to, get me wrong. I used to it's bike up my... to a record store, spend my allowance money on metal records. I they had a My War T-shirt. And as a 13-year-old kid, seeing that image of the puppet, the smiling yeah. puppet with a knife, I needed that. And the guy said, I don't know if you're going to like this. I'll give you your money back in a week if you don't like it. I had no idea it was punk, nothing. I loved it. Was that and old that was Raymond? It. 
Uh, Raymond Pettibone. Pettibone. Yeah. Pettibone, yeah. 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 Gregan's brother. Gregan's brother. Yeah. Right. So good. And who, yeah. They're totally estranged now. They hate each I other. I think like the debate about the Black Flag singers is like the punk equivalent of Hagar versus Roth. <laughs> Very contested. <laughs> A lot of people have. Yeah, that. I don't listen to Van Halen without <laughs> David Lee Roth. I just, I can't. So, yeah. Jeff likes Gary Sharon. After oh, the, boy. Uh, <laughs> listen, I love <laughs> the early Black Flag stuff, and you know, but the myth that Rollins ruined Black Flag is totally No, I didn't say Rollins ruined Black Flag. That's not what I said. I said, I prefer the pre-Rollins Black Flag. Yep. I prefer uh, that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're insulted. Uh, <laughs> after that, I'm going to go with Fuck the first you, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I tell you, if I had a dime for every time he told people that I saw Black Flag of all four singers, I've been listening to this shit for 20 years. It was LA, 1980. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's annoying. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, the next the next door would, would be the first Residence album, Meet the Residence which was my first exposure to sort of more avant-garde, experimental music. Never even heard Total of it. Total weirdo. Yeah. It's it's a mindfuck of an yeah. album. It's The Residents are like a magic eye painting. When you first look at it, it makes no sense, but the more you look at it, things begin to come out, and you're like, how the hell did they even do this? So like, he's especially a in guy. time before. He's, he's very oh, deep kidding and me? intelligent, I, I, dude. I, fo- I know, follow this guy on Facebook. In a, in a, in a, I've never I mean, seen more, somebody more long-winded listen, on Facebook. Listen yeah, to yeah. Meet the Residents, though. <laughs> And imagine actually trying to do what they did without any computer technology at all. Like literally just cutting up tapes and it's incredible. And finally, the last one was an album that's only about 10 years old. And that's uh, King Crimson, Lark's Tongues and Aspic. And that, you know, it's very hard to recapture that like, that when you're young and you're getting into something new, that is so exciting, right? That feeling and you lose that as you get older. You may, you know, we're all similar age here. And if you give us a new record now, you're like, oh, this is awesome. But you never get that feeling, yeah. that feeling back. Absolutely. King yeah. Crimson, in my 30s, proved me wrong. I'd always been aware of them. But I, for some reason, I decided that dive headfirst in their catalog. And Lark's Tongues, I mean, really all the albums, but Lark's Tongues was my, my choice. Was like, it gave me that sense of like, oh my God, like this is completely turning my head around. So those are my five. Awesome. Very Excellent. interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a great list. Um, and then we're going to we're gonna talk movies real quick. Like uh, just in your life, man, Mark Lopez, my, tell me. My top five, rec- uh, my top five just, movies. Just, yeah, like five movies that, that, that you, they don't even have to be your top five, just five movies that, that you want to acknowledge that you just adore. Well, The Usual Suspects is, oh, okay. is my favorite movie of, of all time. He'll flip that, you. That's, that's for, yeah, he'll flip you for real. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me in the back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, True Romance. Oh, you're killing it. Yeah, that's yeah, another that, one. It's just, just so raw and just even so... just Gary Oldman was in it for like, well, like you were talking about, right? Like <laughs> yeah. five minutes or yeah. something, yeah. and he just like. I think Samuel L. Jackson was in it for even less. Yeah, if you watch that movie from start to finish and just write down every actor you see, you'd be like, holy yeah, I mean, James shit! James Gandolfini's in it yeah. just for a little. Brad Pitt, bit. the script, Bronson show. Cal Kilmer as Elvis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's great stuff. Uh, the Exorcist. Okay. The Exorcist was the first movie. I think I was like eight years old when it came out, and. It scared the living shit out of me, and I'll always, I'll never forget that that first time yep. where yeah. a movie just makes you just shit your pants. Okay, no, that that's a good point. So, when you watch it, do you still get that feeling? Yes, because yes, I, it's funny you associate like when I still watch Halloween the original, that movie scared the shit out of me. Right. If I were to watch it for the first time at my age now, I don't think it would make it like I'd just be like, oh, whatever. But being that I, I associate, like, I don't know, there's something that happens internally when I watch that original Halloween, 
and like the music yeah. and you see the mask yeah. and it's like if I'm watching it like alone at night I'm like you gotta turn the fucking light on huh well I don't turn the light on because I'm a man but <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like you know <laughs> if I could reach the light maybe yeah 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 but uh, it just yeah it just like it, it brings it back it's great yeah, it's yeah. a great feeling I yeah, love yeah. it so um, Animal House yes oh, Jesus. Animal House it's that to me if I had to sum up my Navy years <laughs> Watch Animal House. Yeah. I did eight years of the Navy, and that's what I fucking did every day. That, zero point zero? That's a perfect uh, comedy. Uh, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. yeah. And uh if I'd be I'd be a bad LA boy if I didn't say the decline of Western civilization. Nice. Okay. I have to say that. I'm happy to say I own five out of five out of Mark's list. Nice. nice. Over there. And they're all alphabetized. So <laughs> if you want to borrow any, help nice. yourself. What was it like to you know, as, as a Cali guy to see that uh for the first time? Well, I remember the first time I saw it was um, at the Midnight Movies um, in, I, I think it was Fullerton in, in Orange County, and uh, they had it up against the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and they were both playing at the same time, and it was, that time we didn't get along too well with that crowd, and I watched The Decline, and we were all like, fuck yeah, Fear, Black Flag, oh yeah, I was at that show, oh look me, there's me right there, and all my friends were there. and Wait, you were at the Black Flag show? <laughs> yeah, a couple of them. Um, <laughs> it was there, we, man. We, we nah. come out. We come out of the movies at like at the same time as like the Rocky Horror people were coming out, and they would look at us, and we'd look at them, and we fight <laughs> every show, every fucking time. And I don't know why they kept doing it. Like, all right, do it one weekend with and one weekend without. But I don't, don't want to generalize the Rocky It was weird. Horror, it was a weird I, time. I put my money on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't lose too much. <laughs> All right. Jeff, give us five. Uh, my list, I'm going to come off like a total pretentious asshole right now after that, that list of movies. Good luck, Jeff. I, listen, <laughs> listen, you invited me on. No, you know, oh we're friends on Facebook. You, you know exactly what you're getting into. <laughs> yes. I don't want to hear this shit. Ingmar Bergman oh, he's catalog. So, yeah, he's, he's so long-winded. I know oh. that because, and I know this because I've read every single word he wrote. Number one. So I'm not going to own any of these, you're saying? You probably yeah, maybe so. Fellini. And if not, you Fellini, should. Fellini, eight and a half. No. <laughs> no, there's no Fellini. There's no Fellini. Ishtar? Xanadu? No, I, I did everything I could. I really wanted to put a Werner Herzog film on, and I have one as a notable, but I'm not going to do it. Let's do it. Number yeah, one, no, Clash of the Titans from 1981. It's a good start. Amazing uh, yeah. special effects and all that stuff. Medusa used to creep me out as a yeah. kid. Oh, my that God. Scene that scene whole movie is also amazing. Also, the witch scene, too. Oh, was, the blind witches. Yeah. And the Kraken. It's all great. Yeah, it's oh, it's all great. Even uh, the the, boat scene, yeah, the Karen, everything about that movie. That little owl, though. Yeah, fucking. I refuse to see the remake. I will never watch the. I didn't even know that. Good choice. It's horrible. (laughs) Number two, I love old silent films. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Mm. German film from 1920. Where is that? Which arm? I I think it's on your penis. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Just saw it at Cinema Art Center with live accompaniment, which was awesome. Mm. Um, Number three, Bad Lieutenant. Oh, yeah. one. S- watching that in the movie theater when that movie ends I don't know if you recall that movie ends Yeah, it yeah. ends with him being am I spoiling am I spoiling no, no <laughs> that's not how the movie ends am I allowed to spoil really? movies on uh, yeah. where he gets, he gets shot dead he got right. shot dead in the car and then the screen immediately turns white with no sound you're right yeah. you're right sitting in a movie theater I remember watching it sitting in a movie theater with after that happens and the whole theater is silent and bright yeah. was quite great a, movie quite yeah. a cool experience Abel Ferrara just like yeah. brilliant. When New he York hits, City. He, yep. he's hit and miss for of me. Of course, but when he 
when that he hits, he's fucking And I love the background the of the uh, the Mets Dodgers um, NL Championship Series going on in the background. Yes. Like that's a thread through the entire movie. Yeah. It's it's great. I have I to watch it. that movie. Also, yeah, Schooly D rapping over Cashmere, the guy. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Before, uh, <laughs> next, uh, Seven Samurai. Okay. Uh, yep. Kurosawa, the 50s. That's a great one. And uh, the last one is a uh, little off from what you guys, but uh, Harold and Maud from 71 oh, with Ruth Gordon. Movie. Yeah. That movie is, his. I mean, it's a little ham-fisted at times mm. with its philosophy, but it's hysterically funny. I love it. Absurdly funny. And the everything. best soundtrack ever, Cat yeah. Stevens all over that soundtrack, and the best opening credit sequence of any movie I've ever seen. I don't think I remember. I don't remember the credits. Yeah. Oh, go see it again. It's, yeah, it's just watch it up until the end of the opening credits. You got to the oh, you'll remember. Uh, one out of five on that. <laughs> I had, came in strong with Clash of the Titans. <laughs> that was it. I, I was done. I was I done you that. up. I butted yeah, you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I, cool. So that that's what makes <laughs> these people them. And I like. I was hoping Human Centipede was going to be in there, Jeff. But maybe next time. I'm going to number six. I just saw the I just saw the Corpse Grinders. Okay, I watched that shit too. Written by Brian Cranston's father, by the way. Really? Yes. Wow, fun fact. Do so we're right. going to do our, our uh, five favorite live performances. Good. Uh, my number five is The Cure on the Wish Tour. Uh, what was that, 92, 93? 92. Yeah. Um, I had gotten into The Cure in between Disintegration and Wish, um, so I hadn't got to see them live yet. They became, <coughs> became one of my favorite bands, so when they came around the Nassau Coliseum, I saw them. The set list was amazing. They played like three hours. The lighting... Uh, you know that, and that's my last favorite Cure album. Really, uh, I, I never got into the stuff afterwards. So that was the pinnacle, and, and they were great. They sounded so good on that tour. That lineup of the Cure too is my favorite. I mean, they've gone through a million people, but with Gallup, uh, Pearl Thompson, um, Boris Williams on drums and stuff. But uh, oh, we get it. You like the, the Cure. Cure? I like the Cure, guys. <laughs> nice. Number five, Mark. Um, This is a, a this is a particular show um, in, um, in nineteen I think it was eighty one or eighty two was Black Flag with uh, Fear the Blasters Suburban Lawns and Sacker and Trust and wow. I was at the Olympic in L A and it just it was such a diverse crowd it, you know all those you know Fear and Black Flag they go hand in hand but of course the other three don't and it was just such a great vibe and it was probably at the time uh, the L A shows were very violent. Um, this one was not that bad, you know, and it just kind of opened my eyes. Like, you know what? I think that was the first time I saw a show where not every band had to sound the same. And that still is with me to this day. I don't want to, if I book a show, I want five bands that sound different. Give me something. I don't want five bands that sound the same. Unfortunately, that's not what I guess some of these kids like to see, but that, that was it for me. I like it. Number five, 1981. If every one of your shows is a black flag show, I'm going to punch you in the arm. <laughs> no, my next one isn't. My next one isn't. <clears throat> 1982. So, well, you would wanted me to tell a cheap trick story, but that's actually not on my list. But if you want me to tell it, I could give it to you after the list. Okay. Because it's a good concert story. Okay. Uh, I also, I kind of went through this the same way I went through the uh, the albums, sort of like in order of my life. Number one would be uh, Pink Floyd at the Nassau Coliseum, well, August yeah, of 1988. Five. Let's do, oh, okay. So you're doing. Like sort of just. Through my life, like go ahead, yeah, you know. that's good. Uh, so yeah, the first Pink Floyd at the Coliseum, August 1988, uh, first concert I ever like actually wanted to go to. My cousin took me, sat in the last row, watched through a cloud of 
Pot Smoke. Nice. <laughs> Loved it. Um, it was the run of dates that they did the Delicate Sound of Thunder live album for oh, and all those videos right. you saw on MTV. Yeah. And I remember a sign saying, you know, this is being videotaped, you know, by entry upon these premises. Right. You give permit, you know. Yeah. It was one of those Your ugly so. likeness in yeah. a filthy And I, I fucking picture. hate that album. I mean, I love Floyd, but momentary yeah. Yeah. That, that album momentary sucks. Yeah. That album yeah. sucks. I fucking hate that album. But I love the band and memorable, yeah. That was actually probably the second record that I heard. I was like ten. Yeah. yeah, it blows. As a Pink Floyd lover, it was that all over the radio when it came out. Yeah. Like learning to fly. Learning to fly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I, I, I like that you. song itself. I do. I do like that song. Yeah. Number five. You do, are you doing all Deja? Fuck yeah! Right. As a fucking homage <laughs> to our buddy Mark, I got my top five Deja shows. So oh go. my god! So number five was uh, the opening band was this uh, band called Knives and Greenwater, which funny enough I now play with. Uh, Cameron and Andrew who were both in that band and wow. actually Daraja that played drums later went on to Glassjaw and Saves the Day and yeah. blah 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 yeah. uh, Last Crime actually went on second I can't even really describe them you just kind of had to have seen that band Incredible. live yeah, and I'm in a band with Eric okay right right um, Motive went on next and this was after you know they broke edge and everybody hated them and blah 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 but um they fucking killed it. Yeah. They killed it. They're and great. Uh, they, I remember Ryan from Motive started playing this really beat up looking guitar. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing with that car? He, the guitar, he's never really used it. And I remember he literally at the end of the set took out a fucking axe and chopped the guitar like in half and then threw the guitar into Pete Motive's bass drum and literally said like, beat that coalesce. Yeah. So... Yeah. Coalesce headlines. If you know nothing about Coalesce, it is literally just like live brutality. Yeah. Like, if you're in the crowd, you will get hurt. They will find you. They will beat the shit out of you. The guitarist literally at the end was both hands were bleeding. He doesn't even use picks. It's just, you know, the most insane thing that Dillinger's escape plan could never do. Right. That's the best thing that Ooh, I can say. Shots. About. I feel like yeah. shots fired. Yeah. That was a rare, if I'm not mistaken, that was a rare weeknight show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This might have been like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So, but yeah. That's... But they were on the road, and that's why we, yes. that's why we opened yeah. up the doors for that. Yeah. Uh, my number five happens to be 2004 Curiosa. Never heard. I mean, I heard of the band, um, but I never saw them live, and I was going to go get my seat out, well, my, my spot over before The Cure played. And this dude was like, oh, shit, Muse is playing the second stage. And I, I was like, oh, I'm like, really? The band from K-Rock that has this one song? And they're like, yo, stand here, and they're going to fucking drop your fucking jaw. And they did. They came out as a three-piece, and they probably stole the show. They murdered. And this was just a great festival with so many great bands like Interpol, The Cure, fucking Thursday played. A lot of bands played, and no one – I've just never seen – anything almost like <laughs> that muse fucking set and i've been a fan yeah. ever since yeah so. i'm a huge muse fan i'm i was late a little late to the party for them Me too. but i saw i saw them like five times in you know successive tours and saw how that band matured and you know you could say rush is as far as virtuosos go three guys muse is right behind them oh yeah absolutely in sane musicianship yeah for you know another three piece so right uh langan number four uh, my number four is uh, when I went to Binghamton, like 94, 95, around then. Uh, we had a ho the homecoming there for the, I don't know, whatever, sports ball team was playing. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Game time yeah, thing, Yeah, I go. have no idea, but Cypress Hill, Funk Dubious, and House of Pain played nice. the homecoming. And at that time, 93, I mean, they were hitting. That was the, they were all over. Yeah. Those three together. 
It was in the gymnasium. The whole fucking place was like, you could barely see them smoke that. But it was such a fun party atmosphere, and it was such a great time to see just, you know, yeah, the they mug the, sound one after another. They know? were at the height. I yeah. mean, the fact that, like, Funk Dubious was even, you know, like, they had that one good year. Yeah. And then Sun Doobie decided, decided to make porno movies, so shout out to him for that. Yeah, and I, I love that band, too. But, yeah. uh, man, what a lineup. That was, was great. shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark, number your four, next one. number four, 1982 Hollywood Palladium with no black flag this time. <laughs> yeah. TSOL, Adolescence, Social Distortion, Wasted Youth, Youth Brigade, The Blades, and AKA. Wow. That was a seven band blood fest. <laughs> I mean, just fucking fight after fight after fight, including me getting clocked in the eye because guys doing chicken fights and mm. guy came up. And I had the biggest shiner in the history of fucking shiners. And I had to go home and explain to dad how I got that. See, no, dad, the punk rock shows are safe. There's no problems. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, right, buddy. I fell yeah, down yeah. the stairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tripped. But yeah, I got, I, got, I got nailed. But the show was phenomenal. And that, that's a lineup that is just legendary. Wow. You, you know, it's, that's a sick fucking lineup. Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, first uh, first punk show I ever went to, December twentieth, ninety one, at the Marquee, Bad Religion of the Vandals. Wow. Nice, Entry nice. into a whole new world, man. Yeah, a whole new yeah. world. It opens your. It just changes your life. I mean, if it, punk rock and hardcore as as well, if if it, you let it grab you, it doesn't let go. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it doesn't let go. Different. And that, that was probably what, the Generator tour? It was right before Generator was released. The okay. last album they had put out was Against the Grain. Against the Grain, okay. But, right. they, but they opened the set with the song Generator. Okay. And Generator came out a few months later. And that's around the time that I started listening to them. And um, it was actually Recipe that got me into them. And then I kind of went backwards and stuff. And for me, they, they have that Against the Grain, Generator, and Recipe for Hate were like the three that I'll always yeah. listen to. For me, it's Suffer No Control Against the Grain. But I love those. I love every Bad Religion album. So. Yeah. Parker, next Deja One. Back to Deja One. <laughs> we got <laughs> Tension, Shutdown, Indecision. Uh, I think that there was probably, what, 600 people at that show, I think? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, you know, if I remember correctly, that was the show directly after the Bouncing Soul show? Might have been, yeah. And at the Bouncing Soul show, I was passing out flyers yeah. for that. And a whole bunch of Scott kids came yeah. came to that, and they're looking at me like, what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> I mean, luckily, um, Andrew, my second guitarist, had a, uh, before he was in the band, he had a distro with his wife. So we snuck behind before tension went on, thank God, because the place when they started just fucking started killing each other. And this was just when shut down side into victory, so they just yeah. kind of got yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah. And indecision was always fucking yeah. Huge, indecision so, but that was, that was a great fucking show. Absolutely. So I remember and that one. Yeah. Shout out to Joe Rubino. Yep. Yeah. Past man. guest. Cutting my hair tomorrow. Nice. I took my kid there for a haircut. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. think Tension yeah. might actually have the record of playing Deja One the most times. Is that right? <laughs> tension or Motive? Indecision. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I. You know. I. I don't know. It's one of yeah, good. I think it's one of those three. three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, and another Scandato, Scandoto brother. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mark. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so for me, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, probably like the first local show that I that I saw um, after I got home from rehab. I was away for like a few years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went to the swing set, and it was uh, the headliner because I loved the VOD. So it was VOD, Silent Majority, Tension. I don't know who else played, but those, those were the last three. 
and it was the first time that I actually really saw like something on a local level. Yeah. Not maybe not first time I saw, it, but the first time I actually like it clicked, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I'm like, "This is this is what's happening." Yeah, we were lucky enough to play there a couple of times. We played uh, the swing set with uh, Anti Flag, mm. and we played with uh, Bouncing Souls. Uh, well, that was the same show, but we also played there with the Ludachicks. Right, right, yeah, nice. yeah, nice. Yeah, that was a great place. So it was after my youngest son was born. He was born on February 18th. And I think, if I remember correctly, that was February 19th, and I was. I had a box of cigars and I was passing them out to the kids in the fucking in line. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here, I, you can not all have to buy this, but here, go ahead, smoke <laughs> one. <laughs> what, what was I thinking? I just remember actually, Doc put that the whole show up on YouTube as well. But I remember just being um, somewhere in the middle of the crowd, and then once tension started playing, the whole place erupted into a pit. Mm-hmm. Like it was the, yeah. the whole place. Yeah. Sounds about right. You yeah. were. I was like, oh, let let them go nuts over here in the front once they started playing. Like the whole venue <laughs> yeah. just yeah, yeah, erupted. Yeah, yeah. So. Good times. Langan. All right. I got um, Slayer on the South of Heaven tour. There that was go. the first time I saw them. Uh, you know, I got into Thrash through Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer. So it was a big deal for me. Uh, Rain and Blood sold me. It's one of my favorite records of all time. So finally getting to see them on that tour, which was a different sound for them. Uh, but, man, i never seen violence like that on like such a scale. What was that? Like 10th grade probably or some shit. But we were on the next level up at the Coliseum, and just the second they started playing, every fucking seat, whatever the fuck, just flew in the air. Yeah. The whole floor was just spinning in a pit. There was fucking blood everywhere. <laughs> like, everywhere. Yeah. I walked outside to, like, get a pretzel or some shit <laughs> and take a piss, and uh. this dude, there's blood all over the bathroom. There was people on stretchers. Blood on the pretzels. It's crazy. My friend, like, I never seen, like, I took him to the show. He was older than me, so he was like my chaperone dude. And my parents were like, whatever. He's like, what the fuck, dude? This is like. <laughs> and they, I'm like, watch this. The guy gets cut. He's on the back of a stretcher. He's got a head, his head wrap. I'm like, Slayer. He's like, ah. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, it's that easy. <laughs> but it was so great for me. It was just amazing. I'll never forget it. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Mark? Uh, 1982. I remember this was at the Galaxy. It was a roller rink in Fullerton. And it was uh, Social Distortion, Circle Jerks, Suicidal Tendencies, and Sin 34, I believe, opened up. And it was the first uh, punk rock show I took Amber to. And that's the girl I'm with today. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's it's just, it's, it's the first time, the first show I took her to. Yeah. And I remember my dad packing his friggin' station wagon with like 18 punk rockers in it and dropped us off, picked us up. What the fuck is better than that? 1982 Social D and wow. Circle Jerks, Suicidal, suicidal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a good show too. It was it was a lot of fun. That's history. Love it. Uh, March 6, 1992, my first ABC No Rio show, uh, <clears throat> and that was uh, Sedition, which was a band that evolved into Discordance Axis, uh, Merrill, mm. who were a great band that put a record out on uh, Gurren Blanston, Rorschach, mm. and um, Asuk. And that was important because, like, the Marquee was my first punk show, clearly not an arena, but also still, like, a business with a bar and people. ABC No Rio was, like, my first truly, like, DIY underground show. And uh, I was a mainstay at ABC, you know, through the 90s. I was there all the time. So that was a big one. Awesome. Parker. Number three. Uh, this is kind of special now with everything that happened uh, two days ago with this guy passing away. But... uh First time I saw Caven um, was at Deja One, and I heard about this band from Massachusetts that they kind of they were a metal band, 
but they incorporated like you know screaming and singing which is some nothing that i had never heard before and uh so chris actually my singer picked me up and uh they were on tour with piebald at the time i think the piebald cave and split had just come out and they played as a five piece with the original singer and uh they just fucking blew my mind i had never seen anything like it before I do like how it says Last Crime Maybe on that flyer. That's pretty funny. I don't know if they showed up for that. <laughs> um, but Caven played, Motive played, this band La Magna, who never really got the credit that they fucking deserved. Awesome. Yeah, it's, they, uh, Steve Driscoll from yep. uh, Scapegrace was yep. in that band. Steve's Steve Scapegrace, yeah. yeah. Um, Love that band. First time I saw Caven, Mark. I'm, yeah, with yeah. Piebald, right? Yes, yeah, at they, Deja. They came down together. The bass player actually filled in for Caven. Another time. At that, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's my number three. First time I saw Cave and I was blown away and I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, man. Rest in peace. That, yeah. That's pretty tragic. Yeah, Caleb, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, my number three is kind of this weird show that happened at St. Vitus. And uh, it was with Sam I Am. And they played right after Hurricane Sandy. And I remember we had tickets. And it, um, I think I had like five tickets. So... I saved all my gas because there was no gas to be had because mm. <laughs> I had these tickets and I was like, no matter what happens, we're going to go see this show because there was no electricity. There was nothing. We were just hanging out and we were waiting for something to do. The show happened. They almost didn't make it to the show. Uh, I think there was like maybe like 30 people that actually did make it to St. Vitus. Uh, it's kind of a shit show. Jason lost his voice, but me and some girl helped him sing these songs <laughs> To the dismay, I'm sure, of many people that made it to the show. <laughs> and, and, and just for the record, just so you know, I tried to get you on that Sam I Am show when they came Which one? to Long Island last time they were here, and they just didn't want to do a five-band bill. Okay. I tried, dude. Oh, man. Thank you. I tried. Awesome. I you, tried. I you know tried. how I love me some Sam I Am. I know, and <laughs> I tried, and it, it just wasn't It's too gonna... bad they don't. They barely play anything from those early albums, though. I love all the Sam I Am records, but man. Yes, those we had first, this discussion. Yeah, they played like made one the song from those. Right, I played you a playlist. I made you a mixtape. Yes, you did. Nice. For uh, those. Did you like it? Did you like yes. those early stuff? Yeah. I, I, regardless, like I, as, as long as J Jason just always had that voice, he always has those great melodies. Um, the production was just different, you know? But yeah, like anything that they do. So, like, I really enjoyed that playlist. Um, Astray's is still my favorite. But they still made two records, you know, their last two records are great, and, you know, they still do their thing, but man, to see them, <laughs> like, after Hurricane Sandy, it was, and, and to this day, they still cite that show, like, whenever I see them, I bring it up, and they're like, oof, like that show, <laughs> <laughs> fucking terrible, so, but anyway, Langan. Uh, my number two is uh, uh, Portishead at the Hammerstein in 97. Game changer. Um, it, it was I, I was interning, a young Langan yeah. was <laughs> interning at Island Records, and uh, London Records was the floor below us. And a lot of times, you just swap tickets or promos with other labels on the, you know, in the building and stuff like that. And uh, I got tickets for that show, two tickets, and uh, I mean, they were fucking amazing. They're, they're, and, yeah, they're a game changer band. For and me. I wish they'd work more. Like, <laughs> it drives me crazy. They made two great records and then one shitty record 13 years later. And even that one I went back to listen to and I didn't, I liked a little more of it than I initially was against because it was such a different sound, you know what yeah. I mean? But uh, but this was like the height of Portishead powers for me and, and they were just amazing. And Beth Gibbons' voice is fucking one, yeah. of, one of my favorite singers, period. Absolutely. So, and it was, it was amazing. Great show. Like it. Yeah. Number, number two? Number two for me would be the 97 Warp Tour. 
which had uh, Social D and Blink, Pennywise, Descendants, Sick of It All, Murder City Devils. The lineup was great, but the most important thing for me at that show was that was the first time I took my kids to a big old fucking punk rock show. You know, they're used to Dr. Shays or Deja, but this was the first time that I took them to a big-ass show, and I have my backstage pass, and I'm taking my kids. They only let me take my kids one at a time. Um, to okay, I'm gonna you're gonna go meet the guys in Pennywise. You're gonna meet the guys in Descendants. And I get back to the Pennywise camp. Who is more excited, them or you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm no, just, them, just you know, at the young. at the time, them at the oh, time. Really? At, at yeah. the, now, know me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time there, they were really into it. And, Very uh, cool. And I got to the Pennywise bus, and they weren't there. So I said, "Oh no!" Uh, somebody said, "Oh yeah, they're out in the crowd, you know, mingling." So I was like, "Motherfucker!" Because my my youngest son Matt, who's uh, my middle son Matt, um, he was actually my youngest at the time, uh, that saw Judas when he was seven. He loved Pennywise. That was his band. He was so into it. And then, um, so I took I I left my two kids and and my girlfriend at the time at behind the gate, and I took Matt backstage to meet the to meet Pennywise. They weren't there. I walk back out. He's all disappointed and shit. Where's Pennywise? They're hanging out with my other two kids and my girlfriend. They're standing right there. Uh, he's awesome. like, uh-huh. he's like, where were you? I'm like, where were you? <laughs> anyway, my kids got to meet all the, all the guys and that's awesome. that, very cool. That, they meant a lot to them. Awesome. Who's fucking run, fun right? That was me. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> Jeff. Okay, so uh, the CMJ Amphetamine Reptile Record Showcase, October thirtieth, ninety two, at the Ritz. I was obsessed with amphetamine. I still am, but. Obsessed with them, so to see this collection of bands together, it was um, Hammerhead, Cosmic Psychos from Australia, Surgery, The Cows, who turned out one of wow. my favorite bands of all time, The Melvins, and Helmet headlined, but what was funny is they had already signed to Atlantic Records, mm. so they were advertised as Metal Hat, mm. but that, that, didn't, that didn't fool anybody. Uh, <laughs> would have fooled me, to be honest with you. <laughs> Metal Hat. Awesome. CMJ. I don't, do awesome. they even do CMJ anymore? I'm not sure if they do. I went to very few of them, but that one I wasn't passing up. That was a shit. Uh, Parker, what else do we have from uh, Deja One? Number two, uh, the Sky Came Falling record release. I remember this, uh, holy shit, like it was yesterday. So we were on a Belgium label, and the full length was done, but we didn't have any copies. And I was like, well, how the fuck are we going to do a record release without any fucking records? How does, <laughs> how does this work? <laughs> so... We literally got 25 CDs that day. That's all that we fucking had. So the doors open. I don't even think we had T-shirts for this. I think we just had CDs, and we were so fucking thrilled because we sold out of 25 CDs before the first band went on. But, yeah. we, had, but we had nothing else to fucking yeah. sell or whatever. Yeah. So uh, this was like a uh, uh, TVT and building was kind of promoting this because Day in the Life headlined. I know this show like the back of my yeah, head. Yeah, and Day for Honey also played. Yes. And I remember, um, you know, the, the thing was we're going to give like, the uh, I think it was like free T-shirts to like the first 30 kids or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was psyched because uh, we were going to play with, uh, with Glass Shaw. Glass Shaw too. I think the first time we were going to play with them. And Daryl wound up getting, getting sick. sick. That's right. Yeah, because I, I, Don Fury came up to me. Yes, and and asked. He was asking me a lot of questions about Glassjaw. Yeah, I said this fucking band's great. Blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah, he knew all about him, but yeah. he wanted to come see him, and I and I connected the dots there. Yeah, but when Daryl couldn't play, mm-hmm. they could, he got sick. Yeah, and then they dropped off. And I still paid those kids, and and really, and and, uh. and they looked at me like, "What?" I yeah. like go to the fucking diner on me. There you, you go. You, you yeah. know, it's like. Uh, Why not? And uh, 
day, f- day in the life. I mean, us being you know big mind, mind of a matter fans. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. they fucking killed it. I mean, they didn't play Long Island that much, but when they did, they just fucking killed it. Yeah, and great. I remember when we were leaving, Don Fury actually stopped us. And he was just like, you know, I caught some of your set. I really liked it. You know, give me a CD. And I was just like, I'd love to, bro, but we fucking sold out of him. He's just like, but I'm Don Fury. Right, and I'm just like, right. well, I ain't a fucking musician, uh, magician, man. I can't yeah, fucking can't pull one out CD. of my ass. So. Freudian slip. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know. All right. Uh, my number two will be um, a New Year's Eve show that I saw, which blew my fucking mind. 2005, uh, Madison Square Garden, Wilco, Flaming Lips, Slater Kenny. Uh, I didn't know what to expect going to a New Year's Eve show. And, man, Slater Kenny murdered. Love that band. Very, I think, underappreciated later on in life. Flaming Lips, tame because it wasn't their headlining show. But when Wilco played, like, the balloons dropped at midnight. Uh, and then at midnight, they turned into a cover band. So the first song they played was Judas Priest's uh, Living After Midnight or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, that it, would make sense. That yeah. would make sense. <laughs> yeah. I get it. You get it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Balloons drop. Man, it was great. It was just a complete celebration, and uh, my life's just gone downhill since 2005. <laughs> so. You peaked there. Yeah, I peaked there. That was my peak. So that's my number two. Let's do number one. Uh, my number one, probably, it's my finest uh, stage potato moment <laughs> in, in my illustrious history. Um when uh, my friend Jeff was in in this moment and they were touring with Rob Zombie and Ozzy, I, I uh, got to go on tour with them for a while. And oh, that's played, awesome. And I played the Garden, and it was just, uh, it was like an almost famous moment for me. Yeah. It's when Jeff's mom like went to the beauty salon, right? Didn't he t- wasn't she telling this story? She had her hair oh. done or something. Zach Wilde was like flirting with yeah, her yeah, yeah. all these years later. It's <laughs> like, uh, but just to be backstage at the Garden after being there as a kid, with my friend, you know, Ozzy's being rushed down the hallway, all these different, it, it was like a dream come true for me. Yeah. I like stepped out of myself for a minute, you know what I mean? It was to stand in- on the side, and not, it just was something Surreal. I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, and it was just like a moment for me yeah. of like, and I've been riding people's coattails ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to In This Moment for treating me as their own, putting go. me on their rider and feeding me. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay, yeah, so since I gotta go, I'm gonna cut in. Um, this is where I'm going to insert my little story, if that's cool. All right? Insert here. What's the yeah. story? This is the cheap trick story. This is my last one. Since you're you're going to beat us to mayhem, you, you give us your number one. Okay. So th- this comes with a story that we, we talked about, so indulge Check me for a second. Uh, Check yours. Hola. Check? Okay. Check. Okay. Uh, so this would be cheap trick at Mulcahy's. <clears throat> excuse me. Mulcahy's. Awful venue, but Mulcahy's. <laughs> uh, in Wontor in the late Shout 90s. Shout out to them. Okay, Preach. so the only band I have ever been a card-carrying member of is Cheap Trick. Oh, literally shit. a card-carrying member wow. that I'm showing to everyone as proof. Trick International Fan Club. Um, wow. And I got, uh, Does it have a cool name like they, the Army? Like they it's don't. Army. It's just no, Trick no. International. You just get a card. It's totally <laughs> inactive at this Coast point. Guard. It's totally inactive at this Ready? point because Bunny Carlos, the drummer, is the one who did everything, all the engagement, and he's not uh, in the band yeah. anymore. So yes, yes. I still get Christmas cards every year, though. <laughs> so I got an email uh, saying that Cheap Trick... We're playing Mulcahy's. It was like a Tuesday night or something. So I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, let's go, you know? And I got a bunch of my friends. Everyone was interested. But the weird thing was, was that other than this one email I got from the fan club, there was no mention of this show on the Mulcahy's website, their Islandier or Good Times ads, nothing about this show at all. I figured 
Cheap Trick's playing Mulcahy's, like, that would be advertised, right? Sure. So about a week before the show, I call up the box office, and I say, you know, I got this email like a month ago that, that Cheap Trick's playing. Are they playing? And she's like, yeah, we have them down. They're playing. I'm like, well, it's not advertised anywhere. What's going on? And she's like, oh, you know what? It's a private, it's a private party. It's a Marlboro cigarettes promotion, and you need like 80 Marlboro Mile cigarettes to get in or something like that. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. I don't smoke. <laughs> I'm Start willing. Smoking. I'm willing. I'm <laughs> go buy a car. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's like a bunch of my friends and I want to come to the show. We're willing to pay. We're willing to start what smoking. What do we need to do? Yeah. You need to have like, 8,000 miles. <laughs> I think I actually pulled the punk rock thing and said, you're discriminating me as a non-smoker. So she's like, you know what? You're right. She's like, I can't. We're not selling tickets. I can't sell you tickets. But let me call you back and see what I could do. She called me back about two hours later and said, I can't sell you any tickets, but give me a list of you and all your friends who want to come, and you'll be on the house guest list. Awesome. Nice. Wow. So I did that. So the night of the show, we park. Cheap trick. The parking lot by the Wanto train station, dead. There's nobody around. So I'm you still thinking- You can actually park there? I'm yeah. still thinking- I've never parked this there. This show isn't happening. There's a confusion. Some Something yeah. isn't- There's not- There's some other band called Cheap Trick playing, and they don't realize, or something. And I, we walk up, and- nobody's there, and sure enough, we are all on the guest list. Right. We walk into Mulcahy's, which holds like a 1,000 people. Sure. In the far corner, there was nobody in there. We were the only 10 people in there. On the, on the, some guy comes running up to us in a panic with Marlboro gift bags saying, you've got to take these. You've got to take this, and you've got to eat that food. And there's like, there's wow. buffets full of food that's just sitting there, nobody to eat. They fucked that shit up. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> they got in, they got, Yeah. So we go and we just start eating their food. We started taking all their like free oh. gift packs. This there was is my maybe, favorite show. There like, was maybe like yeah, there's maybe like five other people like in the place in this huge place. It's like twenty people, and fifteen of them are like me and my friends. And eventually, unbelievably, Cheap Trick take the stage, and Rick Nielsen just looks out at the twenty people there, <laughs> and he's like, "Well." We bothered to show up, and you bothered to show up. So let's just do this. And they played a full hour and a half set. And the big thing about the Rick Nielsen is he's constantly throwing guitar picks into the audience all night long. Yeah. He all threw, over, all over. He, threw, <laughs> he threw just as many picks as he normally would. We all walked out of there with sackfuls of Rick Nielsen guitar picks. And it was like having just a private show. And they wow. came out. They hang out, hung out what with was everybody food? after. It was just like buffet, like, you know, ZD and stuff Wait, like that, like hot food. And he's like, what was the food? Uh, but we <laughs> just walked you, out of did it. Did you have to flash your, so, your card? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but six months later, they played an actual show, and the place was, I went again, and the place right. was packed solid. Mm. So it wasn't anything about them, but that was absolutely yeah. the most memorable show of That's my once life. once in a lifetime. Amazing. Holy yeah. shit. Well, let, let, let Jeff do his thing. So thank you for doing this. We're yes. going to finish up with Mark. Yeah, this and was we'll, amazing. Thank we'll, you so much, Sam. We'll see you later, Hell Satan. Yeah. Are you ready for some church burning rock and roll? I yeah. can't name one mayhem song, but yet uh, I'll be there. F f it's freezing moon. Oh, nice. So I have to. Uh, funeral moon? Too. Yeah, yeah. Funeral uh, yeah, I don't want to like blow a speaker or something. Oh, God. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you. Great, man. Later, man. I'll see you soon. I'll see you, I'll see you later, brother. Awesome. Yep. I'll see you Tuesday at practice. I'll see you, Tuesday. I'll see you very soon. So, Mark, okay. give us your number one. Okay, my number one is actually on Long Island, not from 1982. <laughs> it was at Deja <laughs> One. Flag. No, no, not Black Flag. <laughs> yeah. Just even flag. though, even though a Black Flag song was played. All right, uh -huh. but I'll tell you, I'll explain the show. Right. Well, it was it was at Deja One. It was called the Live Record Show. 
and we got through 13 bands in five hours. Nice. And it was recorded live. Every band played three songs. You played one original, one like whatever the fuck you want cover, and then one like punk rock or hardcore classic cover. And the bands on this bill were Indecision and Silent Majority and Millhouse and Cleanser and Kill Your Idols and Arkham and The Last Crime and Pacifier and Reach and Human, Home 33, Southpaw, Two Man Played That, and Fall With Grace. Wow. And yeah. the, the sound man, I'll never, his name was Craig. He ran Brass Giraffe Records at the time. And the label that was supposed to be put on was called Clean Records. And they, they, re, they spent a lot of money on the recording. The recording sounded amazing. Um, and the fact that we got through 13 bands in five hours. Now, granted, each band's only playing three songs, but you still got to change out guitars. You know, some guys wanted to use their heads only, and it got a little tough. But we actually pulled this off, and every band sounded great. And it was just, it was packed. I could only sell 300 tickets because there was 200 fucking band members. And De- <laughs> you know, Deja only held yeah. 500 people. So I, I, I sold 300 tickets the old-fashioned way at Utopia. Like yep. you had to go to Utopia <laughs> in Hicksville or in Center Reach to, to get the tickets. And they sold out in like like three days. And just knowing that, without, I'm friends with everybody in one of those bands. I know somebody in every one of those bands. Yeah. And just to be able to do that and... and Unfortunately, that record never came out. Um, just to capture that that moment in time, <laughs> and it sucks, it never came out, but <laughs> but just the fact that we pulled it off, um, to me, was just, just an amazing time. And very, you know, it's just at that time, our hardcore community was so tight, you know, in, 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 uh, in, and I'm not saying it isn't now, um, but it, now it's just like there's too many... I don't know. <laughs> too, too many chefs in the kitchen, I guess. Yes, yeah. You know, it's just, and I, I have nothing to compare it to, so I'm just letting you do your thing because yeah. you've seen, you've seen. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen scenes come and go. I've seen them grow. I've seen them die. You know, but uh, I mean, I, I lo- there's a lot of talented musicians here on Long Island. Um, very talented people. I'm, I'm surrounded by talent. Every show I play, I watch every band that plays that show. Whether I booked it or whether I'm playing, it doesn't matter. I watch. I take the time to watch every band that plays. I wish everybody would do that because how are you going to expose yourself or know something new if you don't not there to listen? I, fuck, I'm not at a show to socialize. It's I socializing between bands. Absolutely, I'm a fucking social butterfly. But when a band's playing, I want to watch. I'm in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some people just would rather hang out in the back and smoke and. You know, okay, well, if that's what you, you know, you got, you have that right to do that. You paid to get in. It's your choice to do what you want to do. But I'm there for the music, and I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Yeah. All right, well, um, let's do the last, um, actually, second, well, I, I'm up, but you're going to yeah. do your thing. Uh, the last Deja One for you, Parker. This was the fucking end-all, be-all uh this was also known as well. This was, I think, Rich Hall's first of the many last shows that he did. Yeah, yeah, he's still doing the last shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he just put out this is hardcore yeah, lineup yeah. this weekend. Which is, has a sick lineup. Yeah, that's what a surprise. It's insane. Great year. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Great lineup every year. Um, so this going back to you know you you know a band plays here from Pennsylvania when you need a show from Pennsylvania you go to that guy. So yeah. we had actually done a weekend with this band uh, called Harvest. Uh, and they were on Trust Kill, which was a pretty big label back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. And we did. I remember them. It was, yeah, it was a small weekend. It was a North Carolina, South Carolina, 
weekend and we had a blast with these with this band so um this package gets put together it's harvest caven dillinger escape plan which is like fucking insane right there yeah and uh harvest actually i don't i think they might have reached out to rich hall saying like hey like we got pretty friendly with this band from long island like maybe you should let them open so we actually opened this band uh, this show and uh it was insane same thing probably fucking 600 people yeah and uh i remember watching caven and actually getting into the pit which i later you know regretted regretted <laughs> and i actually got fucking kicked in the forehead my head split open Ugh. and i remember going to uh work the next day i was rocking it at stern's at sunrise mall and i had this big fucking band-aid on my head and it was the same thing my manager was just like like what fucking truck ran you over yeah 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 did your uh, fanny pack survive yes yeah that was pre-fanny pack oh, okay. it's got it right Fan- <laughs> yeah. fanny pack we didn't wear them then yeah okay. fanny pack did not come out till uh june 2001 thank you very much um and the guy's just like well how was that fun like how are you why would you do that they don't you? get so, it yeah i'm like you just don't fucking understand right man. you don't get it you know i remember the first time um dillinger uh, came out to Long Island with the original they, singer, yes, Dimitri, yep. and yep. They, I only had the EP and Artie. Um, Artie was going to be away. I, I don't know if he was away with Millhouse or, but he couldn't do the show, so he asked me if I could put uh, Dillinger on on, on a show. Yep. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I listened to the EP first, and like thirty seconds in, click, hello, you want to play? You yeah. know, it was done. Yeah, it was that quick, and they just blew me away. And I think we brought him back like maybe six months later, and it just that was just the biggest snowballed oh, fast. Yeah. yeah. That's another band that called it quits this year. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I I hope that um, I mean two man. I, I haven't talked to them as a band um, about what they intend on doing after after I'm gone um, because you know it was it is three months away before I, before I walk away. Um, I wish them well. They're they're the greatest guys in the world, and I don't I don't know what they're gonna do, um, but I don't think they know what they're gonna do. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm just taking myself completely out of that equation and letting them figure out if that's... And regardless, like 21 years. Like, 21 years. Five five e- records. Even even if that is the case, like... I think who, we're pushing who, almost 600 shows. Yeah, who, wow. could, who yeah. could say that? Like, not many yeah. bands that I could think of. Yeah, yeah. It's Maybe sick of it all. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. I was talking about Long Island, yeah. Yeah. right? Now, yeah, Long Island wise, I don't, I don't, I don't think no. anybody can, yeah, can as far as you know the the longevity of the band and, and four out of five original members. And, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've never regret going to practice. I never regret going to a show. When, not when it comes to this band. Awesome, uh, Langan, number one. Yeah, my number one. Oh, yeah, world you, number ones is up to you, kid. Really? You. Yeah, you're yeah. up. Yeah, you're number one. Potato in it, man. Oh shit, nah. that's right. In this moment, shout out, <laughs> man. All right, mayhem. Here we come. Great food on that tour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cheap show show was better with the food. Maybe. All right, so for, totally. for for me, it's 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 like a, a mixture. So I'm gonna do a, a misfits medley here. Um, okay, so I figured in my life. The Misfits are my favorite band because I just feel like their catalog plays like a best of discography. I don't know what happened between 1977 and 1983 that, you know, they wrote these songs that are the catchiest songs on the planet. They have horrific lyrics, which I love. 
um, but the melodies are just just great, great songs. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously they weren't around. They uh, they weren't around. You know, when I was just going to shows. So when Joey Ramone died, I guess if I'm trying to remember who it was, it was Des from Black Flag. It was Marky Ramone from the Ramones and Doyle. So Doyle, I mean, what am I saying? Jerry, Jer- Jerry only. only. Jerry Only. So they put together this package where they're like, hey, we're going to do Ramone songs. We're going to do Misfit songs. And we're going to do um, Black Flag songs. And you're going to come out to the Roseland and it's going to be awesome. And our friends were like, you know what? This is the this is as close as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. Let's just go. Let's just, you know, the fact that there is three members from these three bands and they're playing these fucking, it's three legends. Classic bands. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. A million great songs. Yeah. So uh, now their set, I don't remember exactly what it was. That's how, <laughs> that's how unmemorable it was. But the opening band. <laughs> this is number one. The opening. Memorable show. The o- what is a medley. I got you. But the opening band I mentioned on an episode before, it was the Impotent Sea Snakes. I've never seen anything like this. It was just, uh, I, I, they were, they're called the Impotent Sea Snakes. So they had like the Kiss logo minus the K. It was at the Roseland. <laughs> and the, there was naked people. Um, there was insertion of dildos into women. There was titties. There was like simulated sex if it wasn't real. Is this episode going to be on before Easter? <laughs> I don't even Dude, I remember, I remember that band, man. Do you? I remember because I used to get hit up for a lot of people for shows, and if I remember correctly, they sent me a press kit. And I looked at them like, man, I can't do that. <laughs> it yeah. was I wild. can't do that. Now, I know. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. We no one moved in the crowd of the sold out Roseland. No one like just no one moved. Everyone right. was like, is that gun dildo going in that girl's pussy? And I'll never forget that she fucking did a split. No, she she did a handstand and then did a split. And some guy fucked her with a gun dildo uh, while she did that. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember about that show. <laughs> so the flip side, mayhem eat your heart out. So, I don't know. So, I'm gonna so, be disappointed. In so it. the flip side, yeah, I know. I mean, like, how could that? How could the misfits and like how the, how could the Jerry only band live up to that? Right. But the flip side to that was the first time that Danzig did Blackest of the Black. And they played Spirit in New York City. And I remember Rich Hull was the door guy because me and my friend Bob went. And it was the first time that uh, Glenn and uh, Doyle were going to do Misfit songs. The only reason we went was to see... They probably ended up playing maybe four songs, which came out to like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter. Yeah, because the lineup was terrible. It was the Blackest of the Black Tour, (laughs) Spirit, New York City. I went to that show. Did you? Yeah. And it was like just- They only did it in Boston and New York, I think, the Doyle thing. Maybe. And it was like, honestly, like maybe four songs. And it was great. It was great because (laughs) here we, like, we we were the biggest Misfit fans. Uh, You know, I tell everyone I had a a Jailhouse Misfit tattoo. Like, I actually went to Riverhead and I told some guy that he needed two for $25 commissary and put a (laughs) tattoo on me. And he did. <laughs> Once again, shout out to Mike. Kool Aid and yeah. uh, me for life. Yeah. Once again, shout out to Mike doing yeah. life. That guy probably had the Marlboro Miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Giving them to Jeff, you know, hook a brother up. I'll never forget that guy. Yeah, he he had tattoo of like he had three daughters because he had three hearts on his stomach, and it was three of the daughters. Irrelevant but, to the story. What? Irrelevant <laughs> to the story. <laughs> but yeah, that was it, man. Watching. 
and it's funny because you know we're gonna go see the, the reunited misfits in new jersey now but i thought that was gonna be as good as it got you know my favorite band so you have glenn and and uh doyle on one side and then the other side was just jerry only with like two fucking other people just <laughs> you know and that was it those were just memorable they weren't the best but it was just like the shit that like got my dick hard before I went to a show. I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening. But now we're gonna go see the Misfits for real. So yeah, yes. And we're paying a lot of money. Sponsored to see it. by Budweiser. <laughs> 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 you know what? Fuck it. Cash in now. All right, let's you. go see Mayhem. Yes. Mark, thank you for doing yes. this. Oh, guys, thank you very uh, much. Really I appreciate it. It's been a lot of guy. fun. Appreciate it, man. Have fun yeah. in Arizona. I'll see you when I visit Karen's yeah. family. Yeah. And uh, that's it, man. Episode 30 in the books. Boom. Thank All you. Right.